Hello, friends. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, and envies to Desho the Third, one of our premium live stream podcasts. We are here today, May the 25th, 2021, talking about bottom tier character Tomozaki kun, episodes five through eight. I am the subtle doctor, and along for the ride, uh, who knew that we'd be here talking about elections in 2021? It is Shadon. Never mind the elections, Doc. I've got a breaking, horrific piece of news for you. I just, I just can't seem to control the power in my arm. It, it, it's just coming out, and I'm going to turn into some sort of abomination. No! No, I'm kidding, of course. This is just, <laughs> this is just me getting in my prerequisite jokes. I got vaccinated today, and I have yet to turn into a lizard man, as you can see, for those of you watching on video. Um, so... Deeply, deeply disappointed in the COVID conspiracy community. They made me all these promises, I mean, election promises. There's your tie-in, you know. They said I'd get all these cool features like turning into some sort of snake man, and it hasn't happened. And maybe you might say, well, it hasn't happened yet, but I ain't feeling it. So, <laughs> ah, deeply, well <laughs> deeply, crushingly disappointed in, you know, the ever-reliable conspiracy community, you know, the anti-vaxxers. They let me down again. Well... Um, welcome to the, like, you know, to, to the Bill Gates is tracking you club. Uh, it's, you know, he'll, you'll be a blip on his radar now. I hope that excites you. Oh, uh, Yukinon says you've turned into the dark flame master. Finally. <laughs> okay, Finally. You're a chuny. <laughs> it's all I ever wanted. It's all I ever wanted. Uh, Man. Uh, uh, speaking of things Yukinan said in chat, uh, the name of the song, uh, it's a Young Bay song. I don't remember the name of the song off the top of my head, but if you go back on the VOD, uh, there's text of it on the TV screen. And it's a free download on SoundCloud. Like that song is just freely out there for anyone who wants to grab it. But no, congrats, Shadon. I'm, I'm super happy you've been vaccinated. I know, like, You've been looking forward to it for a long time, and like it's just is nonsense that all of you know people like around the world haven't had as much access to it as our dumbasses in America have. Well, uh, let, we don't deserve it. Let's put that in perspective, though. Um, the UK is still incredibly privileged to have done as well as it has done with vaccination. There are still many more places across the world that need their vaccines. Like, sure, it's. You know, it's all well and good me like yep. saying, "Hey, I, uh, you know, I got someone to stick a prick in my arm today." You know, um, but I'm lucky, and I admit my privilege. And my I know, on that. right? So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to deny my happiness here, but I'm also going to point out that hey, maybe we could be doing better. Of course, that's not what we're going to be talking about today. But regardless, it's just worth noting that hey, uh, I've got it good. Um, I just want to bring up the vaccination yeah. for the for the fact they gave me a chance to dunk on anti-vaxxers because they're always worth dunking on always yeah always fun i see you out there always andrew wakefield you on. stupid motherfucker <laughs> i see you out there jeez oh my god uh well look let's <laughs> let's transition from uh getting jabbed in the arm uh one gamer over there getting jabbed in the arm to an animated gamer getting tapped on the shoulder and poked and hugged and all such like uh you know the the contact from the female sex gasp um <laughs> let's talk about some tomo no social thing. distancing in this shit especially given this anime no. was released in 20 uh, 21 
Although that would but be- maybe the camera should maybe the camera should practice some social distancing. <laughs> My God, the fucking the fucking framing on some of these shots was experimental. But <laughs> but I've been telling you, it loves the absolute territory. It loves calves, thighs, quads. Loves them. Um, loves them. What was it? I can't remember what his, uh, the name was. DJ something or other where he went ass titties. Like, I think that was the filming mantra for this. Um, oh, you're probably. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, sh- I really should know sure. the name. Not of all the artist. time, but a lot of the time. I, I know, uh, but <laughs> joke as I may, um, God, we'll get into it when we talk about it, but the sh- I've never seen a show like U-Turn or like Pivot 90 Degrees uh, from its like underwhelming like milk toast mediocrity to something a bit more interesting as hard as I did with this show. It literally happened between episode six and seven. The moment episode seven started, like so much of the stuff I didn't care for just seemed to have evaporated. And if I didn't know any hmm. better, I would have sworn blind that the show was like soft rebooted in between those episodes. Hmm. Like literally they just gave all the creative staff the marching orders and just said, right, this is this is crap. We could do better. And to their credit, uh, whether and obviously that didn't happen, but to their credit, things did indeed get better. And that's fascinating to me. That's like... I mean, usually when you make something that's terrible, you're pretty committed to it being terrible. Let's be fair here. You know, there ain't no saving some shows, that's for sure. But usually, like, people know what they're making and they will just hold firm and true to that. But this time around, like, I mean, Tomazaki was never terrible. It was just... Meh. But um, these episodes, like including five and six, I should stress as well. Like they have merit; mm-hmm. they have actual merit to them, and they do show a substantially proven show. Like the the off talks, like you know, holy crap, this show does get a, a lot better. I, I am legitimately impressed by it and fascinated by how this even happened to begin with. But let's not doubt the results. I suppose. <laughs> I see what you did there, Mr. Election Humor. Um, don't doubt the results. That was, that was a nifty barb. Uh, you've thrown me off, but but I um, I agree. I mean, I I liked the first set of four more than you did, but even even still, you know, I didn't think. Um, I don't know. I didn't think it would kind of turn into what it has. Um, I mean, which is silly me, you know, because like you said, there's word of mouth out there that it gets really much better from people we trust. And I mean, I've seen, you know, anime shows do this before where they kind of lay a groundwork of uh, either kind of silliness or a very low stakes, you know, situation and then really put the pedal to the metal. Um I know there are many examples. Nadesco, Martian successor Nadesco is one I'm thinking of. Um, although I guess you could argue that the drama in that is also meta comedy, but I think a lot of people seem to think that it's just straight up. Uh, but anyway, that's don't want to get off topic. I do think it's interesting to note that like the first four episodes have the same, or uh, had three of the first four episodes were written by Fumiko Shimo, um, and I think Fumiko Shimo is the head writer. Um, but then five through eight were all written by the same person, a different person from who wrote one through four. And that's Shingo Nagai. Um, and we'll talk about, you know, creators when we get there, but it's just interesting that like these chunks, like, and and then episodes nine through 12, Nagai is not writing them. It's once again, three of the four episodes written by a different person. 
but it's just interesting that we've been we've been reviewing like like our our episodes kind of track when the writing pen changes hands it re- you know it really it was, feels uh, like that although yeah I, I do have to wonder um is this uh, shingo character a uh, muppets fan think about it think about it i know you far back because you resweeted me tweeting about this I'm just I, <laughs> the you, the bigger. I, Wait, this is a joke you made last time. Yeah, yeah I should have. But remembered. it was even more pronounced this time around. It was just mm-hmm. I was like, you can't have like Tomazaki go me 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 over and over again. So that degree without it being a deliberate reference to speaker, I can't take it seriously. I feel, so, oh, I feel so rewarded for giving a damn about these characters, especially me me me. Like in the first four episodes, because like. I feel like it's all been paid off. Everything that we that that I thought to myself, like, you know, could the show could turn into that. You know, we've heard it gets better, so maybe it could be this. Like, you know, maybe they'll like have some commentary about, you know, does gamer logic work in real life? Like, are they going to try to expose it? And it seems like this, like, I don't, I don't know if it's like a slam dunk, but it like addressed all that stuff. Like, it really went for it mm-hmm. and. I'm really, really liking the direction of it now. Like, I just really care about all these kids a lot and want to see them, like, happy. Uh, yeah, and I, the last show I said that about, um, what was it called? We covered it last season. Well, I've already forgotten the it name was of that it. going to be Horimiya or Wonder Egg? Horimiya. Yeah, Horimiya. I don't know, man. I... I, you could accuse me of having the worst recency bias like ever of anyone ever but like i don't know i feel like i really like these kids i'm like man like i really care about them in a way that i did but the the main couple in horimiya is great but like i don't know like uh like tama you know tama in the show she's not in the show a lot certainly not in the first like five or six episodes but like by the time credits rolled on eight i was like I feel like I know her. She's like a really good person and I super duper care about her and she rules. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the like eighth character of a lot of these shows and even Horimiya, it's like I don't feel that strongly about. So like the the to speak in sports terminology, this show has a very deep roster. <laughs> the the depth of the the depth of the bench is quite something. It can really like rotate in and out and not lose my interest. Hmm. Yeah, I um, I had an honest to god like that. I mean, I was gonna say for talk by, but I can mention now because it's just very brief. Like, I think one of the things we have to remember when we go through like our process of criticism is like you know we're obviously talking about this stuff in depth here, but let's also just speak to our actual like as the crow flies as we watch the emotional reaction. As the crow flies, you know, uh, uh-huh. as as you know as things happen. And Tomazaki asks, not Ray Ayanami. I made that joke before. I'm not making it again, but I can't remember a name. You know who I'm talking about. The the library girl. Oh yeah, right. Um Oh my god, I've forgotten her name. But but uh So Ray and I so yeah. he asked Ray Ayanami out. Um She's no no no. I'm no, taking no, the bit. I'm taking the bit. It's I'm just they're taking so the different. I'm taking the piss. They're really different. You, you, you can relax, you guys. He asks her out like to go and watch a film. Mm-hmm. Um and uh Rackham is by the way, uh Fuka. just uh, pitched in with the save there. Thank you for that. He asked Fuka out. And it, she agrees, and I was like, "Yes, lad." And I'm like, and I was like, after I said, it, I was like, "Did I say that out loud?" 
Did I actually have a positive response to this show that made me, like, you know, vocalize, that made me speak? Uh, and I'm like, oh, well, yeah. there's a thing. I mean, whatever else I'm mm-hmm. going to ultimately say about the show one way or another, uh, that's a positive in its favor. They actually made me now care about, like, you know, the, like Tomazaki's success, like, you know, and him doing it. Because yeah. especially given he seems to treat it as a very authentic thing that he's, in, he's interested in, like, he's actually reading those books that she's also into and he's genuinely mm-hmm. enjoying it for his own sake, which is a very healthy and good thing. So I'm, so I'm curious to see what Andy. happens in episodes nine. Cause that's, I mean, the, uh, the, what's it called again? The, uh, the title card for whatever is on Funimation, the preview, the episode card like shows her. Mm-hmm. So I'm presuming it must be the one they go on this day. Mm. But I'm like, Hey, nice one, lad. Well done. Now don't fuck it up. <laughs> These episode titles. <laughs> I do take umbrage with these episode titles. They're so they're they're overwritten and trying very hard to be amusing. Uh, so episode nine, the, the name of it is when you go back to the starter town with the full party, new stuff tends to happen. <laughs> I really hate these episode titles. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> they're just, it's just like a a vein of humor they, that well, just I mean, makes me roll my eyes. I mean, eyes. I could I could be horribly pedantic and say they never left the starter town to begin with. Hey, there you go. Yeah, no. Then that same moment you're talking about, you said yes, lad. I'm pretty sure I did the old like uh, drum roll on my notebook. You know the yeah, <laughs> like that that whole deal. Go get him, tiger. As I as I tend to do. Exactly. Go get him, tiger. Um, yeah, there are light novel titles. Indeed, it's true. Um, uh, there is a dispute in chat about how many U's Fuka has uh, in it. Sorry, right, I'm just no. going to add one extra U every time I say a name on. So by the end of this podcast, I'll be saying, so Tomasaki starts being a Fuuuuka. <laughs> like that. I'm going to make a game of it. You should. You should st- stick it on the end afterward. Fuka U. <laughs> no, I, I, I can't do that in good conscience. <laughs> no, uh, just, anyway. That's a bad joke. I've made it before and I will never stop making because <laughs> it amuses me. Um, Okay, so I think that that takes care of our back of box like brief summary. I think we're both pretty positive on this mm-hmm. set of episodes. So let's uh, talk some creatives here uh, before we get to the patron questions. So as I uh, said, this set of episodes is written by Shingo Nagai, and uh, Nagai has not like a super huge CV. And honestly, like as I scan up, as far as like writing credits go, there's not anything like mega amazing. Um, like, for instance, I feel like this is a good kind of litmus. That like your reaction will sort of serve as, as a to encapsulate what I'm talking about. So uh, Nagai wrote the scripts for uh, four episodes of Somali and the Forest Spirit. Like, uh. you know. It's a show. It's like fine. It's not like terrible, is it? I mean, I didn't finish it. But. It was. It's one of those shows where I just had such a non-reaction to it. I got to the end of it and I felt like you know I couldn't remember anything that happened in the prior twelve episodes. Anything noteworthy? Mm-hmm. Any substantial shifts in like character arc or anything that truly changes the status quo? It was twelve episodes of stuff that happens, and now I just don't care about it anymore. The one abiding thing I do mm. recall about it is that the golem is voiced by the same guy who voices uh, Josaro in Stardust Crusaders, uh, and of course many other things. That's it. That's right. all I know. It's not a bad show. It is just, it is the Coke Zero of anime. 
I like Coke Zero quite a bit. What are you trying to say? <laughs> nothing, nothing like you it. just mean in there. There's not. It's not filling. It's not filling. It just uh, it goes in and it doesn't add anything. There's no additive quality. But to I, 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 I need to think of some. All right, let's let's go let's go one worse. Then. Let's say Mountain Dew Zero Sugar. Surely that's got to be. That's also a good. Oh, no, sake. that's a good drink. <laughs> you could maybe go like zero calorie root beer. I detest root beer. Oh yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I, I can get behind root that. beer is real bad. Okay, yeah. <laughs> root beer is terrible. Yeah. Um. So so other writing credit. Yeah. So other writing credit. Like I, the people there are people out there that like Copcraft. Um. You know, Nagai wrote like five of the Copcraft scripts. I haven't seen it, so can't comment on it. Um. You know, uh, new people really also seem to like New Game, and the guy wrote a bunch of the scenario and scripts for for New Game. And let's see, there was one in particular. Oh, he was the head writer for a show called Girly Air Force, which is a great title. I've um, never heard of before. I mean, I mean, it sounds like it's not trying to pretend it's something it's not. That's true. At least it's his his girls in fighter jets. The fuck else do you want? <laughs> sure. uh, to to Nagai's credit, though, I, I will need to quit slagging him off because again, this set of episodes really, really liked. Um, he did write uh, Symphogear. A couple of seasons of that, he wrote uh, a lot of scripts. Like season AXZ, he wrote six scripts, and season XV wrote ten of the scripts. And I believe Symphogear is anime original, whereas you know Tomozaki is a light novel adaptation, but. So it's different skill sets going on there. I, final thing about Nagai is that another fun anime job title. So for Valve Ray of the Liberator seasons one and two, which you may have uh, seen me mention lately on Twitter as one of season two in particular being one of my least favorite mecha anime. <laughs> um, Nagai served as something called the literature manager. What? I don't. I can't even so, imagine. So he was he was a library clerk. <laughs> yeah, it seemed may, maybe that's it, right? Maybe they they had a bunch of like uh, design docs and stuff of different machines for the mecha, or or who even knows what. But yeah, he just handled. He he's the he kept the magazine collection <laughs> in his backpack. Oh, yeah, he, he he was the one responsible for making sure the coffee table like had the appropriate magazines on a given day. Yes. And also for getting the books back to the library on time. No late fees. You want them on your, you know, anime budget. Yeah. Be embarrassing. Exactly. You can't. The animators can't be uh, can't be asked to do it. So, but no, Nagai. Hats off to you. You've written a really great arc of uh, of this show. Uh, and a couple of the directors, um, I wanted to mention because I couldn't find information about all of them. But the director of episode number five is um, Toshiaki Kambara. And Kambara uh, has been an episode director on a number of things. Huge CV. Um, stuff like uh, Ginga Densetsu Weed, a really cool anime about dogs. Wait, hold on. rescue stuff. Uh, yes, it is called <laughs> Ginga no, no, Densetsu no, 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 no. Weed. Isn't that, isn't that the one where, like... <laughs> Gin is like a dog who gets like you know. Let's yeah, go, yeah, yeah. Let's go fight and kill bears or something. Yeah, I think so. Oh yeah. bloody mm-hmm. hell! I know of that. God help me. <laughs> it's it's very like for whatever reason, it, it was like this super obscure thing, and it's like come back uh, into the collective 
anime fan consciousness for some reason. I wonder why, especially um, given 420 was only relatively recently. <laughs> That's true. That's a fair, fair enough. Um, well, 2005? No, there must be an older one. I feel like that there's a couple different. The one I'm thinking of is probably an older one. So there's the manga, and there's the TV adaptation, and a bunch of manga. Huh. Maybe the manga's just old, and the TV adaptation is relatively new. I, I think what I'm thinking of is not that it's old, but like in 2005, you know, back in... Oh, the manga's only 2000, which I guess I'm just 21 years old now, but... Uh, back in, in 05, when it ran, like that was back when like not every single anime that aired on television was getting brought over to America. And this was one of the ones where it was like, you had to go into the fan sub community. And even then, you know, it's a show about puppies and you know, it's not really what a lot of anime fans are looking for. I mean, I mean, the the, sort of call call of the wild animations. I mean, at the time that Um, that came out, like it wasn't an ultra violent cyberpunk, like, you know, gore fest with titties. So clearly it wasn't going to get, you know, (laughs) stop (laughs) it. We were more sophisticated by then. Okay. We liked our schoolgirls too. All right. So just back off. (laughs) That's going to get quoted out of context. (laughs) I I I know. Clearly joking. Um, what else have we got here? For uh, did some key animating on Beyblade. That's interesting. Did you um, did you let it rip on, kid, on Beyblade? My <laughs> my children love the Beyblade. Shadon like adore the Beyblade, and so they're, it's not just them. Like they have a lot of they have buddies that like really dig the Beyblade, and uh, and their friend is like watching them illegally on like I don't know some shady site. And they're like watching the legal Netflix streams. And they're like, when is the new one coming out? I feel your pain. I, is that replacing um, the older days of like, you know, when you knew someone who would just hand you like bootleg VHS tapes or stuff they recorded after yeah, hours? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Amazing. I like, He's got I, like a disc I, full of I, I, I like how what's old is new again. It just takes different forms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. Um, looking for other interesting things. Key animation on LOGH. Uh, the old ones, which is cool. Um, just anyone involved with those. Um, and yeah, Lock the Superman. Like, that's a old OAB. So, oh, the Lord Leon OAB. So, he's been involved with anime for a while. But I'm looking for interesting. Oh, it's the main director, not even an episode director, uh, of something of an OAB called Momiji. Um, no one probably remembers Photon, the Idiot Adventures OAV, but I remember that. Did, wait, did you did you just say that was called the Idiot Adventures? <laughs> the Idiot Adventures Photon, yes. Um, yeah, if this is the one I'm thinking of, I think it's with like a a lady who used like a lipstick as a powerful whip. Nope, this is something totally different. Uh, now I'm nope, also curious there must about be another that. Thing Photon. <laughs> never mind, never mind. Uh, <laughs> so that's a totally different thing. Um, directed uh, Shushaku the Lech and was a key animator on an OAV called I'm not joking The Sexorcist <laughs> that's a real ass credit in the, in can the I, CV I promise can I point out that of course there's always going to be like you know the, the porno industry so like you know every time a film comes out in the old, like in the nineties or the early eighties they always <laughs> release the set like the you know the uh, the porno version of it wouldn't they? So you'd have you, like so if, bad. So you know you'd have things like you know the uh, well, I suppose the sex predator would be one of them you know that kind of thing. 
Uh, <laughs> die, die hard on. You know, yes. I could go yes. on. Yes, the bad and, pun. And so, right. and so, right. What I find fascinating is there has to undoubtedly have been a live action Western porno film called The Sexist because it's too obvious. So does that mm-hmm. mean when I Google for this, I will end up having to pick my poison <laughs> from that like live action porno that undoubtedly exists and the Japanese anime that's also called the same thing? Well, if you there's no article in front of it. I, I stuck that on there, but the OAV is simply called Sexorcist. No the. Well, I mean, I can't wait to see what the spin on the Your Mother Sucks Cocks in Hell line would be in that one, because clearly it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a very different context this time. <laughs> oh, God. Man. <laughs> Is that something uh, we're going to watch? Also, if, we ever, if we ever revive Bando Theater, we're going to watch that someday. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no. Oh. oh, sweet Jesus. Um, oh. oh, here's something near and dear to your heart. Uh, um... Kambara was a key animator on They Were Eleven. Oh, a really excellent, mis- excellent. I just said excellent, excellent mystery uh, film. Excellent is a different and, thing entirely, uh, mate. Holy shit! I know, um, I know. Uh, episode director as well on Sweetness and Lightning, a, a really, really you know sweet uh, uh, anime TV show. Very good from a few years ago. Um, unit director on Yamushi Pedal. Very like. Uh, a sports show with a big cult fandom. Um, so, yeah, no, that's Kambara. And the final credit, um, we can we can put a bow on this segment. But I thought it was really interesting that um, episode number eight, uh, a very good episode, right? Not noticeably different than... Um, the 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 other ones really mm-hmm. uh but the director credit is given to the entire studio in wikipedia oh that's oh my um, God. <laughs> it just says uh number nine as in project number nine the studio that you know worked on this anime was studio founded in 2009 and uh they're doing uh higehiro currently um which james beckett is reviewing uh every every week at anime news network um our buddy but they they were the main studio on tomozaki and yeah weirdly enough wikipedia has them with the episode director credit um so make of that what you will i just want to imagine them all yelling over each other and somehow it just came together it just all works just just a lot of screaming and yelling but still it the episode's fine did the trick so yeah yeah for sure and if it was a collective effort you know hell yeah more power to you <laughs> good job guys so that's that's it for creatives uh we're gonna now switch to uh patron questions mm-hmm. and if you out there listening to this a week from now uh first of all hello hi hello, future people um how how is uh how is future week uh, I bet it's lovely the first week of June. But if you're there and you're wondering, uh, you know, I'd like to get on this patron question business. Um, well, you can head on over to patreon.com slash show. That's patreon.com slash W-A-R-U-I-D-E-S-H-O-U. Uh, that's Japanese for it's probably bad, which we are. We're a bad podcast. Um, but we make do and sometimes that can be good. 
But uh, yeah, if you want to support us and get all kinds of fun benefits and perks, like the ability to ask us these kind of questions uh, that we're about to answer and that we must answer in depth and take seriously, <laughs> you can <laughs> subscribe over there. Uh, this is the Desho the Third stream. So to subscribe to that, you would want to subscribe at the $5 tier. That is the maximum, the toppest of the top tiers. If you subscribe for $5 a month, you get every single thing we do. That's access to the Discord, access to game nights, watch-alongs, access to all of our streams and pods as soon as they come out. Our video game content, oodles of stuff uh, for five bucks a month. So head over and subscribe if you want to. Um, But now we're at Patreon questions, so I will turn it over to Shadan to read them. Indeed. Right then, uh, we have three batches of questions today. So the first batch we're going to be reading will be uh, Bottom Tier Pirate Rackham's. Um, the first of which is, how much do you think Aoi's consistent desire to be number one and win at life, uh, air quotes are actually necessary because there is quotation marks around this in Rackham's question, influences some of her lessons, <clears throat> approach, and the nature of goals she assigns to Tomazaki? <laughs> okay. This is something I think we need further elaboration on from the show because I mentioned in the previous podcast we did that there is a distinction to be made between what she is teaching Tomazaki and what she is telling him to do with it. Boy, howdy, is there no more clear an example of that than in the election arc where she basically tells him to embrace populist politics. <laughs> fucking, fucking great, honestly. I, I and, and on top of that as well, her lesson later on, that the best argument is not the one that has the most actual merit, it's the one that's most persuasive. And I'm like... Yeah, he I, took I, that I, lesson and applied it in a weird place. I just wanted, <laughs> in a place I, he didn't I expect. just wanted to say to Ari, like, you're supposed to say not say the quiet part loudly on that. Holy <laughs> shit. Because she's right, but it, we don't like her being right about that. You know, and Tomazaki mm-hmm. does have a, you know, negative reaction to that. But the thing is, right, we had two episodes in this. Hey man, episode. social situation. I mean, it's it's just true it, it, in social situations. It, it, it is. Doesn't mean I have to like it. <laughs> but anyway, point point being is that we had two episodes um, devoted to me, me, me uh, this time around, and going into her backstory, uh, her relationship with Aoi, like her competitive relationship with Aoi, I should clarify as well. And mm-hmm. so. What I'm curious about is her lessons, like, to me, all seem very structured around, like, beyond just the tools she teaches Tomazaki, the way she wants them to use them are very, like, socially conventional. Like, take a girl out before the end of the year, talk to all the girls, etc., etc., you know, this kind of thing. There isn't anything that, to me, and and one might argue, you know, that, well, the high school kids, what the fuck do you expect? And I get that, but... I'm, what I would be curious about is where has she got these ideas from? Now, it could I'm not saying it needs to be a very mm. specific person. It could be like a wider like <laughs> series of lessons over the years. I could a be pick parents. up artist. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, even her parents maybe, you know, because that's not an mm. unheard of thing in Japan of parents like being incredibly, you know, um, pushy and strict on their children in order yeah. to achieve. Like, that's certainly one part of it. And that in itself could be a criticism to be made like uh, of that. Um so, I think that one has to divorce, like, you know, again, the lessons from the applications. But I don't have enough information on Aoi's backstory and, like, who how she became the person she is today. Uh, to really um, say, like, what is causing her to t- tell Tamazaki to, like, you know, uh, have these particular goals in mind when they're not, like, you know, 
not they're not certainly not all of them are very healthy to be honest or like you know uh well in like the best thing to go for in my opinion um but obviously mm. you know like the much uh, more complicated question is to be happy with yourself and how do you answer that <laughs> yeah that, right. that's that's a big yeah. deal so I I think that as Rackham notes here, there is certainly a constant desire that I think it is influencer. I think this has come from mm-hmm. somewhere, but I would be curious to know what that somewhere is, um, because of course we can like talk very broadly about like you know like society and you know social pressures. Uh, we can talk about like you know Japanese educational standards, that kind of thing. Um, but I would also be very curious to see specifically what's happened to her in the past. And I'm not saying when I say what's happened, I make it sound very ominous, but you know what I mean. Like, you know, I'm I, I just want to see like There doesn't always have to be trauma as no, a, fact, as no, a catalyst re- in a woman's life. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. So I think that to answer Rackham's question, her constant desire to be number one does bleed through I yeah. think specifically into the goals she gives and not so much less. I think that the like she herself probably set herself a bunch of goals when she was younger as to what she wanted to do and then learn the lessons afterwards. Like, you know, I think there's a very specific order here. Um mm-hmm. so I don't think her um I don't think her constant size number one caused her to come upon these lessons herself necessarily. Maybe they, maybe she did after some thought, but that was a result of her doing this goal setting to be number one. What causes that? Hopefully we'll find out. Yeah, I Gosh, there's a lot of places I could take this. Um, one, I do agree with the premise of the question that she has uh, this desire to win at life at all costs, it seems. <laughs> and I mean, not that it seems to be costing her that much, right? It, it, like she's the sort of character where she makes everything in her life look really easy and natural. But I mean, the, the whole thing that she's revealed to Tomozaki is it does take quite a lot of effort, um, you know, her her being the way she is. You know, so they're both gamers, she and Tomozaki. So, like, he he went along initially with this premise and the kind of structure of the lessons and everything. But, like, you know, we've seen over time him react a little bit and, and question uh, Aoi in that, like, you know, well, um, you know, what I'm doing, like... I don't know. He has this presumption, this sort of not almost naive presumption, I guess, that like the things he's doing should genuinely help other people and not just like be this sort of life game to raise his social status. And she's very much not that. And, you know, the goal of this whole thing was like to have, as she put it, like a rich offline life. Mm -hmm. But I, I think what I would like for the show to do ultimately is say like for, for Tomozaki to be like look a rich offline life can mean different things to different people and we just can have different conceptions of that and that can be okay like her you know your rules and lessons have really helped me and they've taken me to a certain point but like this sort of gamer logic and wanting to win seeing life as a game that should be won and as something that should always be controlled, you know, cause she has that whole thing about like controlling the mood and like being in control and, you know, al- other people being in control when you allow them to be like, um, like Tomozaki seems to, I don't know, want, want something a little bit different. And I think that that's good. And I think, you know, with the people that he's met and the way he's responded to them, I think he's well on his way to, 
achieving that, that richness in his life. And also to seeing that like he doesn't have to see eye to eye with Aoi. And maybe he'll have something to teach her, you know. Like I was, you know, wondering that. Like how to do a fucking infinite during the election arc. What oh <laughs> right. Yeah, how to do an infinite. Uh, but all, yeah, also maybe not like how to like I don't know, really kind of I guess think about other people and not think about everything in relation to yourself and whether or not you're winning at life. You know, how to not be Charlie Sheen, I guess. Um, oh Jesus. But yeah, no, I, I think to, to, to directly answer the question, I think it influences her lessons and her approach. I mean, just in every way possible. Uh, absolutely it does, you know. And, uh, you know, like, like when uh, Tama was comforting Mimi, um, me, 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 like, you know, it was this whole thing about being okay with not being the best. And like Tomozaki approves of that, you know, witnesses it and thinks like this is good because it's true and it's helpful to Mimi. Me, me. Um, I would never go for that. Like that doesn't seem like the way she looks at anything about life or any pursuit that she's involved in. So like, yeah, I, I really like that. And I think, I, you know, ho- hopefully I hope like we have two philosophies uh, kind of at at odds with each other mm-hmm. as the anime comes to a close and Aoi to be like, oh, well, I guess I did learn something from you, Tomozai. You may be right about this or that, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was more than just a combo that she learned from him. Congratulations. Um, yeah, I, I am in agreement. Do you think she's going to beat him in the fighting game? <laughs> well, maybe, but if it... Ha- Teach me all the fatalities. But, but if, it, if it happens, like, I think that the results of that will be that Tomozaki will just not care or he'll be like, uh, well, he won't. No, I, I, that's not that's not the way. He'll care, but he'll care in a positive way. Be yeah, like, yeah. Well done, congratulations, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. You know, yeah, good yeah. games. He won't be mad. Well, because it's like he's like he, she seems so disappointed in him when he said, "Attack Fam" is not about like my desire to crush everyone. It's about like me against myself. And she's like, "Is that how you really feel?" And he's like, "Totally." And she's like, "Hmm, okay," like. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, I think if it happened, he would he would be thrilled for, for her and be like, you know, you've done it. I mean, that's amazing. And then, um, and then he messages and to say... And she'll be mad. And <laughs> she'll be so mad at that reaction. And, and, then, he, and then he messages <laughs> to say, sorry, got to go on my date with Fuka later. And she's just there sat home like, what the fuck has happened here? <laughs> <laughs> How did this come about? Yeah. This isn't how yeah. things should be. All right. Uh, no. Next question from Rackham. Have you ever either had someone go out of their way to help you feel comfortable, more open, part of a group, like Mimi Mimi did with Tama, or been the one trying to help someone else, like Mimi Mimi? And if so, how did that make you feel, and what effect did that have on you both in the short and long? Oh, bloody hell. Um, Well, having actually travelled in fighting game circles, I have tried, like, on a couple of occasions I can think of, to, like, welcome new people into the group and stuff like that, talk to them, like, say, hey, how's it going? When did you start playing the game? This kind of stuff, you know, um, and I've tried in the past as well, because there's one particular gentleman who I'm not going to name, because it's not my business to, like, start relating their entire history here, nor provide information on who they are specifically. It's not right for me to do that. Uh, But I have one gentleman who, um, he definitely um, felt a strong correlation, a very strong correlation, I should say, with his performance in fighting games, with his self-worth as a person. 
to the point mm. where it propelled him to be incredibly good at the games he was at but when he ever he lost on the games he was most invested in it really hit him quite hard um so i've tried talking to him in the past to say like you know um you're still incredibly fucking good at it and no one doubts your dedication um but recognize that you have self-worth outside of that um <laughs> as far as that means i mean I was just trying to do what, what I felt was right in the moment, really. That's all I can really say about it. Uh, in the long run, like, I haven't spoken to him in a little while, and that's not for any particular reason other than just, like, you know, I've moved to different communities. You've all been shut indoors. <laughs> well, there's also that, to be fair. Um, so that's one specific example I can I can think of. But, yeah, it happens a, a bit in the fighting game community. Like, I've, I've tried to end. I think that in my, like, in my time, I... Um, Trying to remember if someone's done that for me in turn. I know that I, I probably could think of an example if given enough time to try and remember it. I'm not saying it hasn't happened, mm-hmm. of course. It's just one of those things where I'm just like, can't think. Brains fighting fake virus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm cashing in the chip. I'm cashing in the chip that the jab is making me forgetful. You know, so all the data in my brain has been uploaded to the, uh, you know, the 3G microchip in my in my arm, and uh, it's just been sent off somewhere. Um, but yeah, I think, funnily enough, like the fight game community is definitely one of the places where this has happened a lot for me, uh, where I've tried mm-hmm. to do my bit to help people and vice versa. Um, and yeah, it's it's not... I wouldn't say it's ever really been nice. I felt like like I've struggled to try and... like Because I think with that particular guy in question, um, it's one of those things where I think I instinct, intellectually recognize that, you know, I can't simply solve his problems by talking to him myself because they're quite complicated, they're quite ingrained, needs professional help, that kind of thing. But I just still feel sad that there was nothing more I could do for him. But, well, what can you do? I tried at the very least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure if you cross paths again, I mean, you know, yeah, there will be another opportunity um, to you know, to do something positive for him, just to talk to him, you know, I'm sure, mm-hmm. I'm sure he appreciates that. Um, for me. So for the first part of the question, have I ever had someone else do it? Like, I know, I know that I have, I know that I have, I'm trying to think of an example where it worked out for the good. Cause I've actually had, uh, other people, like kind of try to like do it like make me feel more at ease or like they sort of knew what I was going through or knew um how I felt and why I was kind of an outsider this is back in like you know early college days late high school you know and it it just wasn't like genuine because they didn't really follow through and like you know what I mean so it like I would say that like the kind of key thing that Mimi did was like she was consistent. It wasn't just like a one off. Yes. Well, I tried my one time and I see them every day, but I'm not going to like whatever, you know, I'm not going to make an effort like and, you know, I don't know if someone is a, an outsider or like not part of a group either by choice or because they feel like they don't fit in or whatever, like trust is like not really easily gained no and so it's it's gonna take some time uh for for them to feel like okay like this person actually does give a shit and i can i can open up somewhat um so i can definitely think of a few times where 
where people, you know, have, have done that as a more of a cursory thing. Um, you know, I, I can, I can think of times where I myself have tried to open up and be more friendly, uh, you know, when in my younger days and like, and it was good and it was beneficial and it would last for a while, but eventually it would just become so exhausting <laughs> Yeah, I'm, that I could never like keep it up for more than a few months at a time. Yeah. I, I think you really hit a strong point there, which is that I, if you really do want to go out of your way to help someone, I think the, well, a couple of things, first off, you rightly pile consistency. Uh, with the chap I mentioned before, I haven't like, not to excuse myself to but I haven't seen much in person, but then I really should probably reach out more online. That's my fault. But nonetheless, you're still right to consistency. Secondly, it is still emotionally exhausting and taxing. And thirdly, to, to follow that point up, not everyone is capable of doing it. And that's not me being disparaging. That's like seeing, like, you know, oh, there's some, like, you know, social, like, support scrubs out there who can't do that, that particular part of it. What I'm trying to say is that it's not something, of, uh, like, everyone can do because it demands a lot. And there's no shame in that. Yeah. You know? Um, <clears throat> mm-hmm. And... Fourthly, you also need to make sure that the recipient, uh, the person you're trying to help is, you know, willing to engage that. Like, because you can't force yourself on them. I mean, admittedly, me, me, me does do that. Uh, and I have a talking point about that later, believe it or not. Uh, that's going to be a point of discussion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think my broad advice on this would be if you feel comfortable and confident enough to try and like, you know, welcome someone into a community to be that kind of like, you know, uh, greeter at the door kind of person or just to offer someone support as they go along, uh, do so. But just bear in mind all those other factors like are they open to like, you know, this maybe they don't want to be like greeted obnoxiously when they're going to like constantly like, you know hugged or whatever like that kind of thing you, you've mm-hmm. got to tailor your response to the person taking into consideration um they like everything holistically i would say yeah and i should clarify when i was talking about opening up i wasn't talking about trying to bring other people in i was talking about like me trying to help myself because like you know that was really the advice i got more so than someone you know really like pulling me into like a big social circle i mean i had especially in in like late high school like my final year and a half or so and then uh most of university time i i had like a small circle of friends and we were really close and we remain close to this day um but i don't know there were times when like i was trying to branch out of that Mm. it was just so hard (laughs) it was just so goddamn hard and like I wish I had Mimi's courage. Mm. I mean, just to be frank with you, like in my adult life, even like when, when I'm, you know, grown and everything like, cause I know there are social situations that will come up or do come up where, where someone feels like an outsider. And I mean, I wish I had the courage and the wherewithal to like, do you know what I could to see if they wanted to be pulled into the group and see if they wanted uh you know something different out of their their social life and I just frankly don't have that like emotional courage Hmm. (laughs) so but um it's it's not if you don't have that um I, I don't blame you for it because say it demands a lot it's taxing 
know, like I've spoke that chap I mentioned before, like he's gone through some horrific shit and I've just fought myself afterwards, like not to make it like, oh, woe is me kind of things. I obviously put myself in that situation by getting involved, but mm-hmm. I fought myself afterwards like, that's a lot of things to fucking think about. I need to I need to maybe back off a little bit, you know. It's a lot, basically. Mm-hmm. Um so anyway, um Yeah. Uh, on a uh, sorry, go ahead. You no, no, I was ahead. I was done. I was done. Oh, just was gonna say that like years ago, you know, pre pre Annie, of course, like I used to like like romanticize about being about uh like being being a savior to a troubled girl, you know what I mean? Like ha- dating someone who had a bunch of issues and like, oh, they would find their solace in me and I would like, you know, just being with them, like we would work through their stuff and I would help them solve their problems and just sort of like that, that old savior complex business mm. that for whatever reason I had internalized, I don't know if it was through media or what, but I was thinking like this, uh, you know, this, this is what I, what I want. And then, I did meet someone who like, you know, we, we tried it out and, you know, she was a person who had a lot of issues and I just quickly realized that that was just far too much to take on (laughs) far, far too much that I was not equipped for that. Uh, so (laughs) there's that part of my life. Fair enough. Um, so next question then next question (laughs) Uh, we have just the one I think from Yukonon this week I will double check to make sure Mm -hmm. but the one that we do have and this is a doozy um, is have you ever found yourself in a similar situation to Minami's that is feeling inferior to or jealous of Mm. a friend despite knowing it's wrong to and if yes how did you deal with those things now this is the whoa this is the big one because this question is going to tackle what I think Tomazaki as a show is actually getting at as its overall lesson and this is also of where the gamer logic, as you describe it, um, mm-hmm. comes into play. So I'll basically just relate my own experience, which is that I actually have two sisters who are incredibly talented and successful in their lives. One of them's a doctor. Uh, one of them is also a... Uh, uh, she works in a high school as a deputy uh, headmistress and a very prestigious high school at that. Uh, so they're both phenomenally successful in their chosen fields. And me, I am I do data analysis somewhere. And that was after many years of doing, like, call center work, which I'm... Given, like, I was doing reasonably well in university, like, you know, I came out with basically nothing usable from university. And that's my fault, by the way. I admit that. I was like, oh, don't I feel inferior? Doesn't that suck? Oh, I think this is... Listen, I... Well, I, I don't... No, never mind. I don't want to interrupt your story. I Carry on. The society's fault it's not your fault go ahead no go ahead. anyway anyway we'll not we'll not uh worry about the, the... humanity should be like what the fuck dude like why Ugh. i educational system rant i'm holding it in <laughs> uh all right so Tell your story i'm sorry so yeah i've always thought stuff like well i haven't done like i haven't met the expectations that myself or the people south me they have what have I fucking done in my life? That kind of that kind of thing, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And so you can always follow up questions to that is, if yes, how did you deal with those feelings? And this, I think, is the big crux, actually, funnily enough, of what Tomazaki's got. Because I kind of just came to a conclusion eventually, which is, I don't, like, you know, I might ultimately still keep that disappointment close to my heart, um, but it's not going to define me. I'm going to still live my own life. I'm still going to live a happy life at that. I'm going to find contentment with my situation and still work to improve my lot in it. Um, I don't have to be the best 
and everything. And that's the key phrase here because I want to ask you a question, Doc. Um, okay. And this is going to sound very random, but just roll with me here, okay? How do you define who is at the top of a football league? And I'm referring to soccer here for people who might be listening in America. Mm-hmm. But the question, I suppose, otherwise applies to any other league of any sort. How do you define who's top? Uh, who has the most points. Yeah. And just for clarity's sake, you determine the most points by number of wins or draws as well. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, there is a very set specific number of rules. But the other key thing I'm going to ask you is this. And again, this will sound like a very obvious question. Uh, how many people can exist in the number one spot? In a league? Uh, just one. Just one. Okay. So let's now expand this out there. Let's go with this line of questioning here. How do you determine who's winning at life? <laughs> who's number one on the leaderboard baby mm-hmm. god's leaderboard yeah i mean some people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about would assume that it would be wealth uh which no sure <laughs> no yeah. no because yeah. do I, you do you yeah i mean i mean if you want to point to like actual real life people who are billionaires uh let's see um jeff bezos got divorced whoops never mind uh that didn't work out for him uh he doesn't know what the fuck to do with his money either he's publicly admitted that because he's a twat but anyway, because I could think of many ways he could use that for the bestment of everyone, or even just spend on himself. Like you know, the lack of imagination is fucking killing me. Uh, there's Elon <laughs> Musk, and I'm, and I'm not going to say any more about him because I think that you know, saying that's like saying uh, you know the name of a clown out loud. It's just the, the you know, <laughs> I, right, right. And by the way, yeah. fuck him for like coming out and saying, "Oh, I've got Asperger's." Not because I don't like find Asperger's like you know as a believable condition, but for basically trying to use it as an excuse for his horrible shit he's done fuck that guy and fuck everything that he stands for um but then and then finally there is of course who we mentioned before the person who put a microchip in my arm earlier today bill gates he was literally there he physically did it (laughs) Um, he did it yeah yeah. uh recently also divorced and by all accounts Mm -hmm. was not very like you know uh, how should we say emotionally mature now that's one (laughs) axis on which one can measure happiness in that their relationships have fallen apart and their money is not good so but that doesn't ultimately answer the broader question. How do you define who's winning at life? How do you define that? And you could then say happiness. Okay, how do we quantify happiness? How do we get all of this? Um, because the thing is, and this is the thing that I think Kamazaki's done really well at illustrating as a show, is that, first off, Aoi is trying to be number one, and she certainly is number one in a number of respects, like the quantifiable that we see in the show proper, like winning the election. That's a quantifiable mm-hmm. outcome. Um, but also, like, you know, there's her track records, her grades, and even then the things that can't so much be quantified, but people, generally speaking, have a consensus, like, she's the hottest girl in school, this kind of thing. But right. that's just inside the school, isn't it? You know? It doesn't mm-hmm. ultimately say that she's winning at life, because by that measure, there are people who are probably potentially smarter, wealthier, you name it, than her, if we go by all of those standards. But are they ultimately winning at life then, you know? Who's the bet? Like, who is winning in this case? Like at life, if Aoi is, then by what measure are we using to determine that? Because it seems like it's in a very limited confine of space and time that that's being decided at, and people mm-hmm. may very well disagree on that. And then Mimi's answer, of course, to her old com- uh, her old condition is, "Hey, uh, maybe I don't necessarily have to be the best. You know, I'm st- I'm still doing great." Because going back to the football thing, you know. Why do people, if we, you know, if we always want to celebrate the best team, singular, 
then by that logic, no one would ever support any team but the best ever. But we don't do that. Mm -hmm. We have attachments to people who are categorically not the best in sport. Mm -hmm. Uh, And indeed, that also follows through with uh, video games. I mean, no doubt if we had Emily Rand on this podcast, she could tell us about many, many different uh, like league players who are not the best, but nonetheless people Mm -hmm. that we root for and want to succeed regardless. And that's just in like competition. Mm -hmm. But then we also have to ask the question is, is life even a competition? There we go. (laughs) There you are. You know, that's where the gamer thing is ultimately coming in here because games are, in a multiplayer sense, a competition. There can only be one person at the top. Tomazaki is at the top, of course, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, does that ultimately matter in the long run? He's actually finding out, like, you know, there's things outside Attack Fam, so it's demolishing that notion. Doesn't mean it's not (laughs) important. Um, So. My answer that I came to for a bit of soul searching and what I've been reminded of through Tomazaki and how the show has been very nicely unraveling this little lesson here is that life isn't a game, as I Aoi puts it. And when I say yes. that, it's <laughs> when I say that, I don't mean in the sense that there aren't like, you know, techniques or strategies or ways that you can play the life game. Life isn't a game. God damn it. Yeah. But it's for real. It's for keeps. It's for keeps, yeah. I don't know why I laughed into Vince McMahon there, sorry. It's fine. We were, life isn't a game, damn it. I, I mean, ah. you should, I, if you, that happens more often, I'd go see a doctor, but anyway. Um, you know, you got, you got a case of McMahon's there, you know, it's uh, very cute. Um, <laughs> yes. But rather like i'm not saying that there aren't like things that you could strategies that you can learn you know like to make your life better even the little things that aoi has taught like uh, tomazaki i think are worthwhile and you could call that like you know gamification or strategization of how you handle life scenarios but the thing about a multiplayer game is that there is inevitably in a tournament or in an ongoing season or a league or whatever you want to call it someone who is at the top via a quantifiable measure but there is no quantifiable measure for life success. And that's why, therefore, life is not a game because there is no one singular winner. Not even Jeff Bezos. Not even not even Jeff Bezos. No, who, who, has the, who has the only, I would argue, quantifiable measure that we could use to suggest that he might be the best. But obviously, it isn't true for a number of reasons. By his own admission, he doesn't know what to do with his fucking money. He's divorced, you know. He's clearly not living the happiest life, but we can't quantify happiness because someone might be content with their own, like, you know, very limited lot in life. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know... Yeah, I mean, it's like, and who's writing the rules, right? Yeah. Like, where did they come from? And that ties back into... When did they come? And that ties back into Aoi's, like, whole thing. Like, you know, why is she compelled to go... Why is she compelled to suggest Tomazaki these very conventional goals... Uh, and secondly, mm-hmm. why is, you know, she also pushing herself as hard as she is? Um, so but that was my realization. I was like, you know what, my sisters, they've done phenomenally well their lives and I'll always be proud of them. I'll always celebrate that. But that's their lives. My mm-hmm. life has its own value and its own meaning. I've done well in my own respects. Now. I've done things that they haven't done. I've done things that I am proud of. It just took a moment, like, you know, for me to do, to realize that. Um, and eventually, like, it didn't, you know, solve all my problems at once. I did end up going to therapy after all. I will admit that. You, uh, People who have listened to the podcast for a while will know that I was doing that. But it took a part of it, the problem, away. It took one of it out of, out of there. Um, mm. So, yeah, life is a thing that you can learn how to play, but there will never be like you know a ranking system that you should ever pay attention to because it's all arbitrary you know 
if you want to play, play for yourself. I think that's the way I would say. In in not in the sense like you know you're totally self shot, but more like you know try and work on improving your line life for your own benefit and not because you're grading yourself against others because it's all relative as well you know i mean to go back to Mimi, me yeah like she is the second best like track athlete in the school okay she's not the best but that's still pretty fucking good let's be fair here you know um it is and lord knows there have been tons of stories like in about you know in fiction about kids who have like you know been told second's not good enough I didn't. I didn't raise a second place podium child with his silver trophy. Get back out there, you little bitch! Like that. I didn't do no. You know there have been stories like that all yeah. all throughout. But yeah. we all the moral of those stories is inevitably that pushing them to you know try and get to the first place just destroys them. So yeah. you know even if they achieve it, right? I mean, even because you have people that are pushed like that and they they achieve in athletics or whatever, but like the rest of their life they're scarred yeah from that that experience yeah you got 99 so. out of 100 why didn't you get 100 you scored the highest in your school but you didn't get 100 yeah you're a failure in my God. eyes that kind so, of thing so gross yeah that's terrible so yeah yeah i i ultimately think the show has done a very nice job of mm-hmm. unfurling that lesson um that, yeah it's been like a slow reveal yeah that you know and this and and I know I criticized it previously for using game as shorthand, and in particular TACFAM. Um, I'm going to walk back that con- that complaint a little bit, because I still think mm-hmm. it could ultimately be mining more out of that for situations mm-hmm. um, and such. Um, but now- well, And then there's sometimes where it like does RPG battles, and you're just like, why is this not a fighting game lesson? <laughs> yeah. Why is it an RPG lesson? Because I feel I feel like with a bit more thought, you could quite easily um, yeah. change the RPG stuff to fighting games. But that being said, fighting games are also inherently a lot more technical. Like, if you, I mean, we said this before, people understand levels inherently. Like your average person on the street who said, what's a level in a game? And they'll refer to either like a stage or they'll refer to gaming levels in RPG. They understand what that is. And funnily enough, those two terms are actually kind of equivalent because they're a rise in difficulty or power or ability, aren't they? If you get to a later level in, say, a platformer, you are, broadly speaking, doing the same as getting to a later level in an RPG because you are more capable. Mm -hmm. Um, So they actually work equivalently. Whereas if I said, uh, what's a hitbox, you know, (laughs) in in to the average layman, they'd be like, what? What the fuck is failed a failed streaming platform? Oh no! <laughs> um, so yeah, kudos to Tomazaki the show for like actually now making it clear to me why this whole lingo is in it. It's not. I'd say some of it still is there for shorthand and for you know being there to like you know shortcut explanations to its target audience. Mm. But I think if the end yeah. result is them explaining actually no life is not strictly speaking a game in terms of a. Uh, you know, how we dictate who's in the lead and who's not, because there is no way of doing that, um, then I think that's a good lesson to put out there. So yeah, kudos to the show for doing that. Bit of a circuitous answer to Yukon's question there, but it makes sense to me because it's <laughs> how I learned to cope with my own like sense of inferiority towards my sisters, who are, again, by any means of the measure, very, very successful. I mean, doctor, teacher. Hmm. Big, big accolades due there for that alone. Like, I think those roles... It, have a lot of, like, you know, uh, respect yeah. uh, wasted. Not undeservedly, of course. Absolutely not. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that. Um, but you get my point anyway. So, yeah, uh, good to mm-hmm. be on the show. Over to you, Doc. Yeah. Oh, man. There's so much, so fucking much to say based on this question and everything you said. 
Um, regarding the show, uh, before I talk about me and what I think about just life in general, I mean, I agree with everything you said, the slow unfurling of this uh, idea that like life is too big to fit into something as simple as the structure of a game. Um, because there's just so much to it and, uh, and just the very kind of notion of a competitive game, like being, being measured quantifiably, like, uh, that your life is being measured quantifiably, like in a competitive game. I mean, it's, it's, this show demonstrates that I think that that's just like, it's not true at, at best and at, at you know and it conservatively it says there's other ways to happily live life hmm. um than thinking about it in terms of things like leaderboards uh and also if it's something we haven't touched on is like you know we talked about like you know the idea of me 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 discovering that like rather than being the best in in some kind of like grand sense or quantifiable sense that life could have a lot of meaning, like being the best to someone else that life, this whole other way of looking at life could be like, my life has meaning because these personal connections I have, they mean something to me and they enrich my life. And that could be like, you could be seen as having a rich and there, successful life. There if is, you had a lot of connections, right? There is one um, thing I just want to interrupt and just point out though, with that particular line of thinking that is potentially very dangerous which is to believe the value uh, from that is derived from being superior to others. Like, you might not be the best. But oh, you, yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I don't think Thomas Zaki's doing I mean, Mimi's too polite, too, no, too good-natured. It's that. like a... Yeah, well, this is like... I'm setting it in contrast to a competitive structure. Yeah. Not even a competition. It's like everyone can have meaning and everyone can have a valuable and rich life by... Yeah. Through, through relationships, right, is the other way you could look at it. But there's also through me, 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 we see, and to some extent we've always seen through Aoi, that life is not a game because life is not a meritocracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, life is not something that always rewards equal, like the amount of effort you put in with equal reward. In fact, sometimes you can put in a lot of effort and you can get fucked, mm-hmm. and that's just the way it is, and you can't do anything about it. Um, and there's, and you're, you're not at fault because you did everything you could and things just don't work out, uh, or freak accidents happen or like just a million different things, right? And Mimi's, she's going to try and try and try, but like, she's just not going to be Aoi no matter how much effort she puts in. And that's not her fault. Mm-hmm. Like this is another way that life does not really fit into, uh, the kind of neat structure of a game. And it's just something, something else. And, and I do think that, like, you know, for people who are socially awkward, it can help as a coping mechanism to limit, for a brief time, to limit themselves to seeing life in terms of gamification. But it's it's a step in this process. It's a way to build out to having a better social life. And it's, like, just means of, like, putting your toe in the water and getting a feel for things and just having a structure and a way to approach social interaction but not like a real sort of statement, like a metaphysical statement about what life is as such. You know what I mean? Um, so, so there's that. Um, 
And okay, to let's directly tackle Yukinon's question. Have I ever found myself in a similar situation to Mimi Me's feeling inferior and jealous of a friend despite knowing it's wrong too? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. If yes, what did you do with these feelings? Well, I talked to the friend. Um I was incredibly jealous of uh my best friend in, and we remain best friends to this day, but when we were in university. He was extremely popular, extremely funny, could always, like, just was socially adept in ways I can't dream of being, never could. Um, although I've come a little bit of a way since then, to my credit. Good. But, like, but yeah, he was like, I, I don't know. I was just really, I mean, I loved him and I still love him. But even at the time, I was like, man, this so jealous of like his ability to like control a room to use always language, right. To like walk into the room and be the center of attention and always like be able to talk to ladies and have relationships and like friendships and make people laugh and everything. And, uh, and it was just, you know, there was a lot of resentment and frustration that I, you know, didn't deal with for a long time. And so eventually I just talked to him and like, I know that's, maybe not the approach everyone will take, but like we were close enough and good enough friends that I just talked to him and talked to him about how inferior I was feeling and, you know, and everything like that. And, um, I don't remember everything about how the conversation went, you know, there may have been, uh, it it may have begun kind of bumpy and, and rocky, but like we eventually settled into this place where like he totally understood where I was coming from and, you know, and just it, he helped me, you know, wanted tried to help me from then on out, like gave me good advice and like, you know, so I guess in a way he's kind of a little bit of the answer to a question that Rackham was saying, um, although it, it wasn't it wasn't quite to the level of me, 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 um, you know, he did what he could to kind of uh, help me in terms of not being so socially awkward and learning how to, you know, um just be in different kinds of situations. Uh, so, so yeah, I totally have felt that feeling and dealt with it unhealthily by keeping it bottled up, but eventually by talking to the person. Uh, and we came to an understanding and came to a better place and our friendship ultimately did not suffer for it. You know, we're still friends to this day. Excellent. Excellent. There's just something else I should mention, by the way, uh, because I, there may very well be people listening who will hear me say, like, you know, oh, uh, I just realized one day that it didn't matter. Um, I don't mean to say that to treat it lightly or to treat it as, like, something that will, you know, just happen overnight. It takes takes time. Um, It is no substitute for, you know, actually seeking professional help uh, if you need it, as I did. Um, my, My only advice would be, like, I can say this and... I think that there are people out there who may listen to this and they might understand it intellectually, but there's a difference between that and understanding it emotionally. And that's not me saying that, you know, that's your fault for not understanding because Lord knows I've been through enough times where I just refu- didn't accept the answer, didn't accept the reality of situations. Um, so that is my argument, though, that I think it matters. And I'll tell you why it also matters as well in relation to Tomazaki, because... This show, like, I know it talks about it turning on a dime, where I initially thought it was just like, you know, a uh, light harem blurness that I didn't really care all that much about. I just thought it was very, very strange and very, very flailing. 
Um, mm. And part of my original feeling about that Flailing. Was, yeah. <laughs> That's a good word to use and, to describe how, <laughs> how you see a show. I like that. And part of the thing I felt about that was that, like, you know, you had the OP and it presented it as, like, this harem setup. And all the girls have got all these distinct personalities, so you get to pick which one's your favorite. It's like getting your chocolate box, you know. We've all made that metaphor before. Um, your standard VM. Arrow gay paradise. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. But this is the thing, and this is a good time to talk about later, where I, I feel conflicted in how I want to look at this show, because on the one hand, like... I can absolutely point to say Mimi and just say all of the character attributes that she presents are entirely there for, you know, basically the amusement of a male audience. You know, hey, she's like really super bubbly and extroverted and she likes, I suppose we'll just call it what it is, sexually assaults fellow female classmates. Um, that kind of thing. You know, isn't that like kooky and interesting? Is that, like, is that like, you know, an appealing characteristic in a woman or a fancy woman for you? Uh, you know, young otaku living at home who's like basically not too dissimilar from Tomazaki except your room is filled with trash bags. Is that not too dissimilar? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, so I can That's put- 100% there. That is absolutely, I and I agree with you, and you see it and you can't not see it. Like that is a truth about the show that... Whether you love it or hate it, I think mm. you have to reckon with it. <laughs> but, but one argument that I can make about, you know, in support of my own uh, theory that, hey, let's not try and measure ourselves up to other people so much. Let's measure ourselves against ourselves here, you know. Um, let's not, like, invent a league in our head of where we belong relative to a particular set of people like if you're for say for example an artist let's not rate ourselves against that you know like there's there's a million and one different facets but rather <clears throat> one thing to note is that Mimi she is as I said very explicitly designed to fulfill like you know this particular character archetype um, for the pleasure of a male audience like you know as in like basically for best guilty based wife you, you know all this sort of stuff but right. yeah. she's also a yeah. unique character and that uniqueness distinguishes her from Aoi, and the very fact that you can have that argument as to, and it's not an argument I have any interest in, I'll just say, but the fact that people could theoretically have that argument uh, is actually just further proof of the fact that, you know, there is a different standard, or rather, you know, the standards that she holds herself to are, you know, only outra- Now, granted, there's something a bit weird about, like, how that then objectifies and all that, but rather the point I'm trying to make is that she is a unique character in the show, and that uniqueness is something that should, in theory, be celebrated in terms of this being a work of art. Uh, and it ties mm-hmm. into the idea that her character and her position in the world has value. She interacts with people in a way that no one else does. That makes her stand out. And we talked, of course, about like her relationship with, I think it was, uh, what was it name again? It was the other one. Tama? Tama, yes. Like, you know, that's a relationship that she has that does not replicate elsewhere. All the little things that people bring to the world... All the little like quirks and the unique elements, like you know, these things that mm-hmm. form us as the individual, have worth and meaning. It like because they're there. Are you speaking of the inherent value of the human soul and <laughs> its individuality? Well, having never had a human soul myself, I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> but but rather, I'm just saying that. Burain. <laughs> I'm 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 just saying that you know, like if you are so convinced that there is like a pecking order of things that you want to be at the top. 
Just bear in mind that there's probably a lot to yourself that you're not giving yourself credit for and that the world would be a lesser place for you in it. Now, obviously, I'm not saying, like, you know, the Mimi's considering anything as dark as suicide. And thank God for that. Like, I've already dealt with it through two different shows this Man, season. Man, I was worried. I was so worried at the end of episode seven when it was like... Oh, boy. Mimi wasn't feeling herself the next day. And I was like, no! No, we don't. No, don't, don't do this. <laughs> I don't want it to become a triumvirate. Fuck. Just but... Every show... But rather, I just I just mean to say, like, you know, that in a weird way, this show, pandering as it is, still fulfills that overall hmm. message. Right. Which is kind of crazy when I put it there. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> that's a way to look at it, right? Anyway. Uh, and that's gonna tie into something else we're gonna talk about when it comes to me and me later. But I just mm-hmm. I just can't help but note like that on this like, you know, episode six to seven shift not much has strictly speaking changed in some ways in the show and through a different lens like an executed a little differently um things that i found previously annoying or like you know clearly manufactured or uh, how to put it artificial flight like you know you can see the seams you can see the reason there like you know suddenly my disbelief came back in I'm like no actually there's perhaps a bit more to this than that maybe it's not intended but it's still a valid reading nonetheless so yeah Okay, I'm about to, I'm about to become this is I'm putting my dad hat on for what I'm about to say. Uh in relationship to everything we've been talking about in answer to this question. Don't let other people define success for you. Mm-hmm. Because you can spend your whole life, your whole goddamn life trying <laughs> to to live up to happiness as someone else sees it. And then when you're in public with them and they see you, it's going to feel good. You get, get the approval of, in their, their glance or their jealousy or whatever reaction that you want from them. But then you got to go home and you got to be alone with your own self. You got to look at yourself in the mirror and you got to sleep and be alone with your thoughts. And that's when all that time, that's way more time than the time that you get to show off in front of these other people or... You know, say, oh, look at me. Like, I did I did the things. Like, I'm happy according to what you want. Like, but when you are, are you really, are you happy with your own self and your own life when you're alone with yourself? I think that matters more. And so don't fucking let these other people give you models of success or ways to live that you don't really care about or are interested in or are uncomfortable with or feel inferior to or whatever. <clears throat> And just like spend your life and your time chasing after these other things that they feel like are important, but you don't give a damn about. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Decide what you want for your own self and achieve that. Go for that. And you might fall a little bit short, but you know what? I think what Mimi Me shows us all is that effort matters. Not because like you're going to always win in the end, but like that effort, that journey to try to achieve something and risk publicly failing. I mean, talk about courage. How many people in high school that age are willing to try something and publicly fail? Mm-hmm. That's the, the whole of high school is like protecting yourself and yep. never failing. In public. Under the radar, under the radar. But you know, no one wants to fail in public, but like she was willing to do that. And like, I think it helped her. I mean, I think like putting forth everything you can, trying to achieve 
a dream that you've decided on for yourself that other people haven't given you, but you have figured out that you want to do, that effort can change you and make you better. And so just don't let other people lead you around by the nose like that and define your life. God, please don't. <laughs> anyway, dad, dad rant over. Uh, Disengage can, the dad mode. We can uh, Re- move on to uh, Kate's questions. Re- remove, reverse the dad henshin there. Turn it back. Mm-hmm. Turn it back. <laughs> okay, so we have two questions from Kate Rose here. The first of which is, in each challenge Tomazaki faces, does it matter how well or poorly he does or does it only matter how the audience can apply these situational examples to their own lives? Ooh, well, well, that's a tasty question. Well, I think it does matter because there is a, certainly an inherent value to like this his own story on its own. Because otherwise, then this mm-hmm. just basically turns into an Aesop, really, or a parable. Right. You know, there, there, there's more to it than that. Well, how didactic do you think this show is? Mm. I mean, I could see someone trying to make an argument that this is just like, an instruction manual for socially awkward nerds. Um, I'm not so sure. I don't think it's, I don't think it's that. I think it's more to it than that. I I think, I think it isn't because I mean, as I say, in my own readings of the show, and I think that Tomazaki's protestations make this clear. Aoi isn't hundred percent right. Because the thing Mm -hmm. about like truly didactic stories like Aesop's and parables is that there is no ambiguity to the moral lesson being put out. There is no lesson. uh, Sorry. There is no, like, you know, uh, shades of grey. It is, this thing happened, and the reason it happened is as clear as day, and take that to heart. There's nothing else to it. But clearly, as we've said, like, you know, and I think this, you know, like, again, Tomazaki has processed this, which I think is very key here, and even challenges the assertion that maybe he ever was a bottom-tier character, as the show mm-hmm, describes right. it. Which I also kind of wish it did a little more with, but that's not really there um, for this question. Like, I think rather... Maybe later. Maybe later. But I think that in of itself, like, you know, um, he... um, You know, I think it does matter how well it is. I mean, I felt it mattered because I want to see him do well on the date with Fuka. And I'm like, like, if you'd have asked me, like, you know, back in a, like, episode two, do you, will you care how Tomazaki does on a date? I'd go, no. (laughs) No. (laughs) Let me, let me check through my box of shits to give. Oh, no, my box (laughs) run empty. (laughs) <laughs> dear oh dear however will i get over this ter- horrible shortage of shits to give you know that point um and gosh the i think it does still matter that the audience can still take lessons home though because on the other flip side of it though as well we also run into the problem that well um like if they are so inapplicable then the show loses its grounding and therefore it becomes hard to relate because mm, i mm-hmm. Because I think that, like, you know, the plausibility of, like, these lessons and Tomazaki's success is key to also getting on board with him as a character, I would say. Right. Because if it feels like, you know, that the show, like, just takes it too far, like, where they expect him to suddenly, like, you know, gosh, how how best to, like, say it, like, where, like, they expect him just to reinvent himself without any guidance and just suddenly he becomes a brand new character in the space of an episode and suddenly he's got, like, three girls hanging on his, like, arms or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. And he suddenly, and he talks like, you know, he's from, like, fucking uh, Riverdale or something. <laughs> then Smoking a cigarette behind the school. <laughs> yeah. He's got, he's got a, you know, he's turned into, like, he's got one of those, like, hairstyles. What were they called again, The uh, that particular style of Japanese delinquent? 
Oh right. Uh, oh, like a, is it a Yankee? I think it's a Yankee. It might. It might be, but you all know which one it's. It's the. Uh, it's the Josuke uh, Higashikasa um, hairstyle. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that one. Um, so I think that both of these things, like you know, that him, it matters in sense of like you know because his narrative matters, you know, in its own right. Even if there wasn't any moral posturing or, or well, not moral posturing, but more like lessons built into the narrative that could be taken over it, it should still matter. Like his story should matter, because otherwise it just becomes, to say, a boring everyman table. And I'm not here for like very simplistic moral lessons, to be honest. I'm not here for that kind of stuff that's for four year olds. No thanks. <laughs> no, uh, come on. <laughs> I don't, even if it was just a, a lessons thing, I don't know. I think it will be more than for four year olds. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously it's not, you know what I mean, is in the sense like, you know, I, yeah, um, but I think also it's worth that, you know, the lessons can be applicable. Uh, and again, these two mm-hmm. things are not mutually exclusive. They feed into each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, does it matter how well or poorly he does? I mean, yeah, just certainly for the, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I just, I, I'll just say I agree with your answer. I don't really have too much to elaborate on. I think it, it matters, you know, for like just purely the sake of the plot and the show trying to establish over the long term that Tomozaki may have different ideas about how to have a rich offline life. Um, But like you said, you know, the buy-in from the audience is important. So yeah, it's probably a both and. So yeah, see Shadon's answer for the the long answer <laughs> fair enough um next question did the outcome of the election actually matter to the show as a whole and what purpose do you think it serves to keep showing um Aoi as an op character irl um i don't think the outcome matters to be quite blunt um i think that oh the- it totally did though right because to the Mimini's show whole thing well maybe well, whole thing would be totally different you no know no I, mean? I, like, I the frame the, the the frame of reference i'm afraid to here is that the elect like the election outcome um as i see it it was i mean it was always going to be the case that like me and me was not going to win because if she won then like it wouldn't what would be the lesson to take away from all that you know it'd be a bit like then we won't have any of her art. yeah yeah so <laughs> it'd so <be> weird <laughs> but but i'm talking about the outcome here i'm referring to the broader implications beyond what happens with me and me's arc uh because uh, after all kate did say to the show as a whole so we're not talking just in the sense of like how it affected Mimi's life. Well, listen, I mean, she's like a crucial part of the show. I mean, the whole, like, everything that the show is trying to say, like that that we gushed about the show saying in a slow and subtle way, like, hey, life, maybe life is not a game. Maybe there's more to it than that. Maybe there are other ways to look at it. None of that would have happened if she won the election. <laughs> no, no, no. So. I, I, I agree with you. But what I'm saying is I don't think that the election will matter in any other way other than to have served as the starting point for this little arc about me, me, me as a character. And by that token, I would then argue one could in theory replace it with something else. So I think, because what I think Kate's question is focused on here is it being specifically an election and what that means like for the school and all that. I'm like, doesn't I'm matter. very confused. <laughs> I'm very matter. confused with your answer. <laughs> No, I no, I look, I am a hundred percent in agreement with you that it does matter in terms of like being the springboard for me, me, me as a character, but that's all it's gonna matter. But the, for. but the whole but but also the show as a whole. Yeah. The message the main message of the show that we're talking about hinges on the selection going this way. Well 
maybe I've just got a different frame of reference to what the whole of the show means, because I say we've got four episodes left. So maybe I'm thinking in terms of like it having an effect later on in some other way. But as I say, it's just merely a springboard to allow the Mimi arc to happen. And that's why ultimately the outcome beyond Aoi winning doesn't matter for the rest of the plot of the ep- of the show. That's what I'm trying to get at. Oh, I guess I see what you're trying to say. I mean, to, like, to, to me, and just the way I read the question is like that. I mean, if if we're right, and that what the show is trying to say is that life is that framing life is a is a competitive game is uh, either straight up wrong and dumb, or it's one way to look at it, but maybe not the best way. There are other ways. Um, it, to to me, like the election had to happen the way that it did with this character. And it, it couldn't have been replaced. Uh, it couldn't have, have been, you know, largely different. I mean, maybe you could change a few details. Maybe it becomes a foot race instead of an election. Yeah. That kind of thing, you know, but substantially Mimi versus Aoi, Tomozaki helping Mimi and them ultimately losing out to Aoi. And that kind of pushing uh, the the Mimi arc, and then the resolution of that leading to like these conclusions that matter a lot. What I think are to to the show as a whole and to its message. So so to me, it matters a lot. But I guess what you're saying is like because Mimi's arc is concluded. Does the, the fact does the, eight, does the fact that Aoi won is anyone going to care going forward? Nope. Uh, the the show, yeah, I mean, I just think it's, like, more of what she says, like, Aoi being OP, IRL, more of that. I and, don't even, uh, I don't even think that'll matter in the long run in terms of, like, trying to show her being OP, because it wasn't about, like, these episodes were not about Aoi. Um, like, she was, like, a catalyst for events, like, you know, getting Tomazaki involved and all that, and being an antagonistic force for a little while, rather than the, you know, uh, mentor mm-hmm. that she's been. But I don't think it's like I don't think it's putting weighty emphasis on it making her more OP to borrow Kate's terminology than she already right. is. Because if it that was the case, then there'd be a lot of talk about it. Rather, it's I say been the springboard for Mimi's arc. Like it was the, you know, the thing that broke the back, the straw that broke the camel's back kind of thing, you know, for her. Um that's mm-hmm. what's important. So I don't think it's really there for like the election is not there, even though she won, for Aoi's benefit as a character in the narrative, if you follow my meaning. Right. Right. Yeah. Look at the, the prism, you know, looking at it through the prism of Aoi, like... Doesn't um, matter. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just, like, another example. Because, like, yeah, I, I see what you mean. Like, it could have been... A, well, I guess it couldn't have been any other, like... I mean, maybe I do, my, I'm a lacking imagination, but... I'm not sure it could have been anyone else that she lost to. Oh, well, well, oh no, I mean, you know what I mean? No, it it had to be Aoi who won, but I, when I say her victory doesn't matter for Aoi's sake, like it's a victory that exists again to set forth the events that led to Mm -hmm. Mimi's character. Aoi actually winning is irrelevant for her as a character, believe it or not, because it's not about her. The story's not about her at all. She is just mm-hmm. barely a bit like player. a background detail. Yes, she is. A, uh, she's a bit like, player. Yeah, it just sort of, it, you know, it, it matters insofar as like it's consistent with everything that we've seen so yeah. far, right? She's uh, 
what would appear to be a natural at the game of life, but is really putting in a lot of effort and seems to win at everything except for TAC fam. <laughs> yeah, so. I think I think although her winning seems like a foregone conclusion, we have to, of course, uh, I say give the show a little bit of credit for not spending too much time, any time really, like, how should we say, like putting putting screen time into like congratulating her on a meta sense, if you want to call it that, they're like, the amount of weighty emphasis giving to her winning like you know detracts from everyone else and just artificially inflates her above everyone else even more because then at that point she stops she stops being grounded if you know what i mean like it's already a mm. lot to say that she's like the best performing like runner she's the best performing like you know um in school and all that mm-hmm. um and then to have her win that and then everyone's just constantly praise her like and blow smoke around but like this is getting silly now this is just character <laughs> worship. It's like the reverse of character assassination, shall we say? Um, the, the Mitsuru Karijo effect. <laughs> oh bloody heck! The the other thing the other thing I'll mention though to this show's credit is we do get a very good bait and switch, by the way, um, where it's I think uh, Tomazaki and um, Tama um, think that mm-hmm. Miyumi's like going to be turning up to go for a run. Um, right. but it turns out that Aoi is so Aoi's not doing this by magic you know where she's mm-hmm. just like we do get to see some evidence of her actually putting in the real hard work to make this happen she isn't just like so naturally Every gifted. yeah mm-hmm. I mean it actually also sort of counters Tomazaki's assertions when he first finds out about like you're like you've got all the top tier stats but no she's right. really She's grinding, for lack of a better phrase. She's yeah, right. to use the game terminology. She has them, but not because you know she rolled them. Yeah, <laughs> she had to level up. God, she did, she <laughs> feel did. dirty putting it this way. <laughs> she didn't roll a natural twenty, but she's yeah, exactly. she's worked on the stats, and yeah, that's exactly. Uh, anyway, yeah, so grinding. Yeah, kudos, grinding. kudos to the show for throwing that in because, like I say, well, I, I, well, I do ultimately not think these episodes are about Aoi. As I say, she's an instigator of events but it's not about her, we still get that little detail that I think is very key. I think that it's worth, like, you know, it being there just to help keep her grounded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so Kate says in chat, it's weird that uh, TACFAM, you know, is this thing that Aoi is participating in and trying her hardest in, but she's second. Uh, much like, you know, her middle school basketball tournament. Uh, but this, she doesn't have to depend on other people. It's just her and the effort, which when that's the case, it seems like she always comes out on top. But I don't know, maybe this will be part of part of what convinces her that uh, being on top and, you know, that kind of thing is not all there is to life. Mm-hmm. Who can say? We shall see. We indeed shall see. Although, I mean, when when we were talking about that like middle school basketball game, I just keep thinking of the whole group project thing. We've always got that one mm-hmm. fucker, that one fucker who just doesn't turn doesn't up, care. does very little. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's true. Oh gosh. Oh man. But so, what purpose do we think it serves to keep showing Aoi as 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 OP? I mean, I don't think, you it think does. we sufficiently covered that. Yeah, I've, I've um, covered it. I don't. I don't think it does because the show doesn't place weighty emphasis on it in a way that's meant to like build her up as a character and make her seem exceptional. It is there again strictly for serving Minani's plot, mm-hmm. and that's to the show's yeah. benefit. That it does that, by the way, because her like there's a difference between a character winning something and a show placing heavy emphasis on them winning. If you know what I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the show doesn't do the latter of that because it's not about how it's not about yeah. making her like seem like ridiculously op really to be honest 
Yeah. Well, I mean, and she is that already. So it's just sort of like, well, yeah, it'd be a bit too much. You knew. So like, I will say this for the show and maybe I'm a sucker, but uh, there was a point in the middle of the campaign where I thought that Aoi might actually lose. Well, that's still... I was like, oh, what are they going to do? Are they going to... And then it was cool, you know, because there was dramatic tension. And I was like, well, are they going to pick this moment to, you know, take Aoi down a peg and be like, ah, the, like, the student has become the teacher when <laughs> Tomozaki applying yeah. her rules and that kind of thing. But uh, but they're going for something different and something better. Well, because you know, to... what happened with Mimi Me was infinitely better than that. Yeah. To be fair as well, though, like, Aoi wins, arguably, because she just copied the notes of uh, Mimi and Tomozaki. Like, gonna go straight yeah. for the populist politics, you know? Yeah. What what would have happened if... I'm gonna get air conditions and the had... teacher's gonna pay for it! <laughs> what what uh, what would have happened if uh, Mimi Me had gotten to go first? Uh, presumably, Aoi would have had, like, uh, Mizuzaki, or his name is, like, stand on the rafters with a phone. They've got all the plans covered, I'm telling you. Oh, you so do you think they would have done the the other yeah. thing? I don't know. I don't know. Like if cuz it seemed like her whole victory hinged on the fact that she went first in the speech to to uh cut the legs out from under Mimi Mimi's strategy. Um mm-hmm. just because she already heard about what it was. Uh but I don't know. I mean, look, uh that that was a really good I I really enjoyed the election and because again i thought the the election itself i was like oh like (laughs) i know this is i'm enjoying an election for once um i was like man she could you know actually win like this is great and uh i was really enjoying the time that uh tomozaki and mimi got to spend together you know i was thinking oh maybe they should end up together they're really good together you know that kind of thing Mm -hmm. i really liked all, all of that so that was good stuff um, I think that's the last of our questions, right? It is indeed. Okay, excellent. Um, thank you all uh, patrons for sending in your questions this week. Um, if anyone out there listening uh, on the free would like to send in questions, again, subscribe over at patreon.com slash show. And if you are a patron, you know, consider sending in some questions. Uh, be, be part of the discussion, get involved, help create uh, the content that you listen to. Indeed, feed us with ideas and things to, like, you know, cogitate on. Get them in there. You know, challenge in us in whatever way you wish, <laughs> except a guilty because I can't be asked playing that across the continent. Fuck that. <laughs> Netcode shit. Right, so I suppose we'd be on soft boys, aren't we, Doc? Okay, yeah. Alright, so um, Go for I- it. I've got a small thing to start off with here. Um, this was in episode 7, and Tomazaki, very as a show, very occasionally has moments that stick out to me in terms of the way it's directed or storyboarded. Okay. Um, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to pay attention to this stuff more often because I don't. I mean, I missed out on stuff on Dana's end, and I feel embarrassed about the fact. So I'm going to make sure to bring more Maya to that next time. But there's this one thing that I thought was actually kind of brilliant, uh, even though by conventional standards, like this kind of like storyboarding and editing would be horrific, um, and it's the most simple thing in the world. And it's basically Tomazaki bumps into Mimimi in in a corridor. And what they do is they have Tomazaki coming in from the left-hand side in the long shot. So you got my hand here. It might be going from the opposite direction, depending on if the video is flipped on YouTube. But you get my point. It's a yeah. side-on side shot of him walking. And then we go cut to massive face of Mimimi right in front of him. And she goes, hey, Tomazaki. And it's startling. It's completely out of nowhere. 
there's no like continuity of like you know framing from like you know the previous shots of this one to the, from the previous like uh, animations this it's mm-hmm. such a jarring edit that it would i would uh, if i were not being generous if i were feeling more like you know uh, snarky i would say whoa that was fucking weird that was random but is that not Mimi's character to just literally be so yes. in your face extroverted and just appear from nowhere mm-hmm. and that again that jarring element there what otherwise will be a problem if executed elsewhere in a similar way without the material to back it up is now a strength you don't see, as I say, stuff like that very often in Tomazaki as a show, and I admittedly could be missing things here, and I welcome people pointing them out to me, but there's just occasionally these little moments I'm like, I really like that. You're backing up what I otherwise previously thought was kind of a milquetoast script, and it's getting better, certainly, uh, with actual, like, you know, animation um, and editing and storyboarding mm-hmm. that really helps. I mean, it's like when I said in the pre- first batch of episodes about that very, like, you know, disorienting, like, left and right setup between Aoi and uh, Tomazaki in the street, where it looked like they were in different worlds. I was like, that's great. Give me more of that shit, please. So this is a little example of that. I quite liked it. That No, that was great. Um, that was really great. And now that you pointed out, uh, yeah, I, I really like it when sort of those like technical aspects of the show are like obviously reinforcing narrative aspects. And I know, I mean, storyboards are, they just are, they are meant to do that always, but it's just like, like you were saying, it's not something I always catch, um, and that was a good catch that you made in that instance, um, and it's uh, well spotted. So, yeah, very good. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Okay, so I actually <laughs> I think I've said everything that I want to say in big strokes about the show. Um, mm-hmm. the The only thing that I, now that I'm thinking about it that I want to bring up is like, and you may be bringing this up later, but I just wanted to, um, kind of put a pin in this even if we don't talk about it now to talk about it next time, uh, to, to, you know, when the next time that the show is visited upon and discussed, like one of the things that we were very, I think critical of, uh, in the first batch of episodes is like, you know, if the show was going to come out and say that life is more than a game because, people are not simply game pieces or pawns. They're not objects uh-huh. They're human. Then you can't then in turn use your camera to always be objectifying the women in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that's still as, as much as we have, we've talked positively about the writing in the show like that, that is still present. Yes. And Reduce I just so this is the thing like it felt noticeable to me like it was very prevalent in episodes five and six there was some camera yeah. angles and i was just like whoa you know i thought there was a lot of it this this time there was but, i felt like there was even more of it this time than there was in one through four i mean i mean put some of the shots of like i think izuzu in the classroom when she's leaning on tamazaki if you put that in front of the sun you could still call that total eclipse and no astrology oh, Izumi, yeah i know yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's yes. serious honestly it's and then there's of so course, many like you know so many calves there's, man. there's like this shot of like which thing is tomazaki like through this like elbow like imagine if i was sat down there but someone was here <laughs> and yet it's like i think it's me and me and like a uh, boobs like here i'm like fuck's sake <laughs> was this so bad so bad this yeah. what is this jesus 
but but, <laughs> yeah. but in episode seven and eight, that did um, the, the, the cameras sustain- are like, I am become the male gaze. <laughs> and fucking hell, it's like watching someone through Google Glass, honestly. Um, but the, I do think that in episode seven and eight, it reduced substantially. Like to me, it felt like that's why I said like the show shifts on a dime. It's not just in terms of like what its subject matter is about, but also in how it's presented. Now it doesn't. Of course, det- like take like that stuff still happened. You can't undo that unless you do a Blu-ray, but that's a different map. <laughs> You're yeah. not gonna undo it. No, they're no. not gonna undo it. The Puritan cut. Release the Puritan's cut. <laughs> <laughs> God. Every episode is cut same. down by a third. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, pick pick a pick a very pure saint. The Saint So and So cut. Yeah, the Saint Ignatius cut. <laughs> I don't know. Oh terrible. my god. Yeah, exactly. Every episode would be cut down by like three minutes <laughs> at least. Fucking hell. But okay, so I do agree with you on that. And I say there's no taking that back now. It is still a permanent mark on the show. Um and it does make me question as to like why the change in direction halfway through. But this now leads me into the thing I was gonna talk about before with Mimi, and I'm gonna ask you this. You're presuming, by the way, it doesn't go back. And i, I if, I don't know if I'm ready to agree that episode seven and eight were were lesser, but for the sake of argument, let's say so. And it it takes a very serious turn with the storytelling, but who's to say it won't flip right back? Yeah, we're in less serious territory. Yeah. And by the way, I should point out as well when I'm talking about the fan service here, we're not just talking about like the more overt like legs, butts, boobs kind of stuff. Um, with Fuka. Um, like the way she talks, like uh, particularly the way her voice actress has this incredibly soft like voice, uh, and also um, the way she acts, which is very like shy and demure. Like again, very calculated construction of a character, I think, to appeal to a particular set of like. Oh taste. yeah, yeah, um, and the, it's it's very telling to me that there is none of that sort of uh, leering by the camera toward Fuka. Like well, that, there's no sort of shots of that I can recall of her in those other ways of the you know the other characters getting the, having the camera be behind them when they bend over get a pencil or whatever yeah um, and and maybe that's like I don't know I think you could extrapolate from that some really sinister theories you know about who the show considers to be more valuable or well, <laughs> less of an object and more yeah, of a person. Well, um, I mean, you know what I mean? Like some real, like these are, these are just like, uh, I don't know the, what is it that like the manosphere, like what's the different, like the Chad and the so-and-so, isn't there like names for ladies too? Like, Oh, these are just bit, these are just bimbos. Like they're just like, you know, they're for I, the sex. But I here's a real woman with substance. Stuff, you know what I mean? Well, but that's, that- but th- but that is like that was our fear that the show would be that. Yeah, you know, from I, the I start. Mean, the, the the point I'm getting at though is that fan service, like obviously, there's a very soft kind of physical fan service. But when you have girls like acting the way Fuga does, where I'm just like, I can see the sheer mile away. This is very much a stereotype kind, or very stereotype kind of character uh, who fits all these bills. Um, I'm like, hmm, you know, that's a different kind of fan service entirely, but it is still there. You know, I know what still, you mean. Yeah, yeah. so. There is all that, but I want to ask you a question now, and this is just, this isn't even really criticism as such as me thinking like, you know, and this also ties with your point where you said that you weren't sure if like episode seven or eight were better, and you could very well be right in that, and maybe I just didn't just notice in, it. Just in, in, in terms of the 
Yeah, just in terms of of camera stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, and maybe, but yeah. maybe my argument would then be that maybe the the scripts had like you know finally gotten at least halfway interesting, and I didn't notice, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which doesn't solve the problem entirely, but it only merely papers over it. But it's better to have that than nothing, I would argue. But here's the thing, right? Let's talk about Mimi and Tama. And all the things Mimi does to Tama, because that in of itself is also a kind of fan service. Let's oh, be very clear well, here. B- before you, so just um, hold that thought very briefly. I just want to quickly say, for my own sake, um, that I'm not anti-fan service. Like, if someone is listening to this, like, podcast series, divorced from other WD, like, without context of what I said about other things... Like I'm not anti fan service. Um, like I'm pro it, and it's it's good. I'm pretty sex positive person, and like you know, these are just these characters are just drawings. Um, they're not real people, so I don't think that the same kinds of things are at stake uh, as are in other cases. But like the point is, like I actually I don't mind. I'm I'm good with fan service of my anime. Like I don't have an issue with it. I just think it's worth bringing up and pointing out because it feels so um, contradictory message. <laughs> yeah, it feels so jarring and like just at loggerheads with the theme. And so, yeah. like, I think interrogating this is worthwhile in this instance. Yeah, I mean, if this show was written like lesser, and I know that I didn't—that sounds strange for me to say—but it, it was written in a lesser way, where oh, uh, you know, there is none of this like treat, you know, how to like talk to people stuff going on. Uh, I would, like, not then criticize the fan service. It still wouldn't be my thing, but I wouldn't say it's, like, a fundamental flaw in the work, you know? There's a distinction mm-hmm. there. Uh, I'm not someone who just wants my all my anime to be filled with nothing but chase nuns, you know? And I've said before, Indeed. And, I, and I talked about this, I think, a little bit with Diner's Own. Like, I previously come down too hard on fan service when I realized, as you say, like, you know, being sex positive, like sexiness exists in a lot of places in a lot of forms like you know sex and sexuality and we can't simply have it just be where you know there is the binary choice of nothing where you know sex is never like even barely mentioned there's not a single thing physical or otherwise talks about or brought up in terms of the content of a show um that covers that to full-on hentai i mean i made the comment before like you know about Oh, I've avoided avoid porn. I'd go and what read like what read a porno mag. But in hindsight, I recognize what's wrong with that statement because I realize mm. that there is an intermediary ground for that. You know, um, I just need to be more appreciative yeah. of it and not be come down so hard. And this actually, like it's all... not always. Um... Sorry, God. Oh, sorry, I was just gonna say, like it's 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 not always the case that like you know, um, that sexuality and and sex and sexiness in fiction, particularly visual media. Like, it's not the case that it always undermines it. So I find it very odd when people are like, well, I can't take it seriously because of this. You know what I mean? It's it's now this lesser thing in my mind in terms of, like, it's gravity or the seriousness I was going to take it with. I'm like, that seems like a you problem, buddy. <laughs> like, yeah. not, a, not a problem with, like, you know, sexuality and the expression thereof by by ladies yeah i mean in my defense like with that you know porno mag comparison i also didn't uh, say that i would never criticize a porno mag for featuring pornography in it and so if a show was ultimately you know has that kind of like fan service and it's not trying to put in like you know the kind of messaging we see in tamazaki which is about like you know treating characters then fake go go nuts ain't my thing but that is merely a matter of taste and not a matter of criticizing the flaws of a work there's a distinction to be there so, after that long 
roundabout. Um, and this <laughs> is actually leads into, funnily enough, quite nicely my point, which is, Mimi, me. Do you think she might be queer? Oh, I think that's a oh. <laughs> that's a difficult question. I mean, like, gosh. Or rather, uh, rather, let me it, let me, it, let, me <laughs> let me let me just point this out right. Whatever answer sure. you gave me, then I'm I'm not going to be. I don't mean to be disparaging it. It actually doesn't matter, and I'll tell you why I mm, think this okay. is important. Because um, what the question I should be asking you, Doc, is: Are you open to the possibility of her being read as queer? Oh, oh yeah, of course. Okay. Now let me ask you a question. If I had asked you that at the end of our previous block of episodes, would you have felt similarly? That I was open to her being read that way? Yeah, sure. I don't. I'm open to like it. People reading. Do Do you mean? Do I care how other people feel about the fiction? Because I, I typically don't no, no. Care I, 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 I just mean. But do I, I think mean, it's a legitimate reading or whatever? I, I just mean in terms of like, can you see like some evidence there that she? Oh, I see what you mean. Okay, okay. So yeah, am I, am I? Do I, do I take it as like a, as a live option in the way that I'm reading it? Yeah. Um, I think. Um, I would have I would have thought yes in both cases, but I probably would have felt stronger about it after this set of episodes. That's exactly just like more time. Yeah, more time to get to know her more sort of her like kind of opening up and unveiling her emotions. Whereas like in the first bit, you could be like, well, this is just like an act. This is just something that she does to when she's tickling time in episode three or something. Yeah, yeah. just playing with other people as part of like her little, you know, fun games and the way she relates to people as what I, you know, you could see, but yeah, definitely, Uh, definitely more, more evidence this time. Sorry, go ahead. So I, I bring this up because this again ties into what I said about her even existing as a character to begin with, where what we see is traditionally being pandering elements. The fact that she's like so, even like to the point of being a negative element of her character, where she just violates Tamma's space, literally hides under her shirt, and like that was <laughs> what a that weirdo, was, man. <laughs> that was that was that was fucking something. Lickety. But, <laughs> the subtitle said lickety. Yeah, that was that that was a fucking thing. Um, <laughs> That was a fucking thing. And yeah. I like all that stuff to me, like, can be read simply as, well, it's just there, you know, for the guys who are into their um Yuri. It's Yuri, isn't it? Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, phew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking to say Yowie though, like, oh Jesus, he got it wrong, and it was just gonna be like a big <laughs> noise, like a big buzzer noise, like he's fucked it up. <laughs> but like on QI when you say the right answer, or rather the most obvious answer, you just get like all the alarms and klaxons blaring. But anyway. Uh, like you can, but what could otherwise be seen as there, like you know, as um, Yuri fan service for a straight audience, like mm-hmm. on a, like I say, just for a little bit more, it suddenly changes to being an open question, at least as I see it, as a cishet guy. And again, that's the limited perspective it is. So I'm not going to pretend to be some authority on this. Indeed, if like someone who who was LG plus two said, actually, no, we think Mimi's a terrible, terrible queer character because she has no boundaries whatsoever. It's a bit silly. I would be like, that's <laughs> right. fair, but sure, but. The fact that I'm even now open to this as an interpretation of, of this show, something that ostensibly doesn't really matter in its long-term, like, plot. Um, this isn't, like, say, Utena, for example. Again, unfair mm-hmm. comparison, mm-hmm. though, that may be. Um, <laughs> Not much is Utena. It's well, a high bar. Yeah, I know, I know. But, like, the fact that, like, we've gone so quickly from 
I just simply consider this to not be like you know readable in a queer sense, but rather just for the male benefit. But now right, that right. now that she's been characterized more, all these other things start blossoming out from that, and it really mm-hmm. goes to show how just a little bit of extra work can go a long way into like making a character feel more real and making what otherwise are fan service actions feel like they have more substance to the point where even this question is being asked. Like I say, the ultimate answer that you and I might have if she's if she's queer or not, if she is gay actually isn't the most interesting thing here. What is interesting is that we're now, Mm. or I feel now, that this question even came up in my mind Mm -hmm. as I was watching this. And the fact that the show has done that, I think is actually to its immense credit, because it goes to show like how questions that aren't even, like as I say, relevant to the show's overall plot about this character are still mm-hmm. now cropping up. She feels fleshed out like and three-dimensional, as opposed to what she was previously, which to me was just harem girl number two. So the fact that I'm even asking this to begin with, the fact that I feel this is now a possibility where it was not previously, the other, like, you know, the like whether or not the answer is right or wrong, or like that, that she is or right. she isn't, the fact we're even asking it to me is the show's credit. Again, speaking as a cis guy with the very limited horse-blinder perspective that I have, but it was something that I actively thought about while watching these episodes. And I'm like, huh. Yeah. I did not yeah. expect to consider that. <laughs> um, I want her to be happy so bad. Yeah, me too. Gosh, me too. I really do. I want, and the thing she is, when I say that, like, you, you could say, well, she's always happy. But like, I want to be like, there's, there's a thing to note, like, is, and I know that, like, you know, I think, was it Robin Williams? Someone said this, something said about Robin Williams, something wrong as well. Like, you know, right. always, ex- always extremely happy looking man on the outside, but suffering on the inside. Like, internally, authentically happy for themselves is what I want. And I think that she's found some measure of that, I would say, at the end of these episodes, even if it did kind of resolve itself a bit quickly for my taste. Like, she quit the yeah. club and then was back the next day. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Um, I, are you referring to, I feel like I saw this recently where Robin Williams was saying like about him and other people that were very funny or even maybe even just comedians in general, but he was like, you know, I I think like people that make other people laugh, uh, and, and make a habit out of it and try to do it a lot. Like they do that because they really know what it's like to be truly sad and they don't want other people to feel that way. Hmm. And so maybe maybe that's you know you're suggesting that might be what what's going on with Mimi, and that's I mean to be fair, like I feel like something that they've kind of flagged from the beginning, where mm-hmm. I've half thought, you know, like what is this girl hiding? <laughs> she seems like she's compensating for something. How just the, the degree of bubbliness which she is, but but there I mean you know that that turned out to be, it did turn out that there's like there's a lot to her, and like I think. You know, I could see her having feelings for Aoi, for instance. I mean, like, how she got so emotional and was crying over the fact that, like, she was jealous toward her. And that hurt her so much that she could feel those negative feelings toward someone that she obviously cared about. Um, You know, so, so, yeah. Yeah. So, just interesting thought there, but, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I do have another talking point, actually, that's to do with relationships, funnily enough. Um, so let's talk about the rumor um, in the show. Oh, about, okay. Yeah, you know where I'm going with this. About Aoi and clicking over to my enemy list. Just listen out for the click. <laughs> Gonna click now. 
There we go. You, if you're watching our video, you'll note that there's more light around my face because I've moved yeah, from the dark brightness. mode Twitter to my anime list. I couldn't remember this chap's name, but I thought I'd look it up. Uh, Mizusawa, and now going back to okay. Twitter for darker shade. There we go. So Mizusawa and Aoi, there are rumours circulating they are dating, and at the end of episode 8, Aoi says they are not. Now. now. In, in a way. <laughs> That's was interesting <laughs> yeah well it, i i mean you could certainly argue that she's uh obfuscating the truth you know well, we're not maybe. i mean i mean what would it turn out to be like if she said well we're not dating we're actually just in a full-blown relationship because that <laughs> you know play the semantics card mm-hmm. you know yeah, yeah. We're not, we're, we're not, not dating. dating. We're not, we're we're just not casual. Sleeping together. <laughs> we're not casual. The t- fuck? I mean, she's a gamer. She would obviously use that. We're not casual things. So there you go. <laughs> right. right. Uh, we're just in a physical relationship. I don't really care about what he does or whatever. We just sleep yeah, together. <laughs> exactly. We're, we're just in a... It's just a Scum's Wish situation. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Well, Scum's Wish was not the show I was going to reference as a comparison point. It was actually Welcome to NHK of all things. Okay. Uh, because in NHK, uh, there is going back to H- uh, going back to my list again. Watch for the click. Uh, you know there was Misaki and Sato, the two lead characters, and Sato, uh, not too dissimilarish in some respects situation to Samazaki. Uh, he is mentored by a woman, um, younger woman him admittedly, and he falls in love with her in the way that you know, like women shows woman shows of attention, and he's like, I'm gonna misconstrue that as like genuine emotional interest or not even necessarily that but rather he feels like a romantic uh, need to uh, or romanticized way of like you know paying them back showing gratitude that kind of thing you know Mm -hmm. um what i found really interesting uh although this is one of those things that happens because of admission rather than by outright talking about it, which kind of diminishes its impacts in my mind but i still think it's there is that thomas aki's reaction to hearing this rumor is huh and that's really it it's a it's a fact that hmm. like funnily enough feels so peripheral in the actual um show that it almost thus far at least we might find out more later. Do you does... think so? Oh, I read it very differently. Do tell then. Put, put do tell. How did you read? It? Well, I mean, I guess I focused more on Tomozaki's body language in terms of like how he reacted to hearing about the rumor, because wasn't he just sort of like what? And then Mizu had to be like, shh, shut up, shut up, shut up. Uh, to me, like, he did feel really strong. He's not a gregarious chap anyway. Um, so I, I like, he's it. not going to talk about it a lot. I, th- I think it, he wanted to ask about it. And, you know, because, like, you know, the, d- during the debrief after the election, she was like, uh, or no, not after the election. It was uh, after the mall, after they went shopping. And I was so mad at him saying like, well, you didn't uh, accomplish your goal. Um, Do you have anything to say? And he was like, actually, yeah. And I feel like he's definitely, he was just thinking about it. He's going to ask her about them dating because he wants to know because it's bothering him. And then I always said, it better not be some lame ass excuse that makes me mad. And he was like, oh, never mind. And kind of clams off about it. But I think he's concerned about it throughout the episodes. That's how I I... I didn't, um, and the reason I didn't is because this is, again, something that happens when you do this in a show. Once you have a character with an internal monologue that is explicitly targeted only at the audience, anything that should be... Oh, yeah, feel he didn't it, bring it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anything that is the character feels as important should be included in that, in my opinion. Because 
there is no social stigma you know involved in reciting sure. something in your pet unless there are psychics around i don't think there are any psychics <laughs> in the show yet that i know of could turn out uh-huh. that it could turn out that how is maybe she starts playing tack fam offline with him and she could just read him he's like how the fuck uh but that's why i didn't take it as an important thing and but the thing is i think that's actually still if, if i'm right on this and it's not as big that big of a deal and he was just more shocked in the sense of that he didn't know rather than i didn't know and actually really am into this girl and like oh shit i've just realized in my head is exploding this kind of thing um if it is more that instead where he's just like shocked slightly because he just didn't know um i actually think that's a really neat element of his character in that again he's meant to be bottom tier character samazaki and so it would seem obvious for him to do the thing that Sasso did in NHK, as uh, at least in terms of narrative, where he'd be like, well, she's helped me out. I'm going to fall for her. And then, oh, uh, turns out she's got someone else. What do I do? I, and do I hate her? Like, and that is all potential for drama, but he doesn't do that. But that being said, my other point mm. would be, I kind of wish that she was dating that guy. And it doesn't even matter necessarily that it's him Boo. specifically. No, 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 no. I don't even think it, I don't even think it matters that it's him specifically, but rather, I think that would be an interesting avenue for the show to explore where this woman is helping him and he might feel, you know, attracted to her in out of maybe a sense of gratitude. Um, maybe that's all mixed in, you know, like where, oh, someone's paying attention to me, that kind of thing. I'm gonna fall for them. And then she's mm-hmm. and then, you know. Oh, turns out that uh, she's not uh, she's not free and available. Right. Maybe even if she was, she wouldn't be interested in me anyway. How do I deal with that? That would be a learning process. That would be a thing that he would have to go through. It'd be difficult. It would be, you know, tough. But it would be worthwhile drama to explore. And so part of me kind of wish that would happen. Because also I think it's then would have dispelled a little bit more of the shows like, uh, how shall I say, baggage of It's a Harem Show. Because making the lead female character definitively canonically unavailable, and by yeah. that I mean by that I mean not only is she like dating another guy, but she's super fucking happy with him. That's different and interesting, and provides potential for interesting storytelling. But mm. unfortunately, the show has not gone quite far enough in casting off its like previous shackles. Like right. So here's my my take on all that is like. That I I don't think any of that um, will be bad, but I think it will be kind of contrary to um, the character. Uh, I I think that Aoi, to be winning at life, in her mind, and and sort of to captivate everyone in all social all social situations, part of that I think for her means she has to be available. I think she wants to be desirable to everyone and to be mm. taken means like she won't she won't be desired by anybody anymore um i think that there's something in that for her and but i do think i mean just to go back on the point like the way i read it was like again tomozaki reacting so loudly to hearing the rumor tomozaki wanting to ask her about it but being discouraged by her and then i think the fact that he blurted it out uh to nakamura in episode eight you know the whole like is it true like that that shot you know <laughs> is it true that they're dating and then they made fun of him i feel like you know it's, it's like a freudian slip because he's like looking for something to talk about oh god i gotta talk to this guy for three minutes think brain think 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 and is just defaulted to the thing that was on his mind mm-hmm. which was her possibly dating this other guy so this is how i this is how i kind of compiled all that information but 
Um, also, she's supposed to get together with Tomozaki at the end, man. What are you nah, doing? <laughs> nah, 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 nah. What are you I, doing? <laughs> I, I don't think so. I think it is going to be Fuka. Um, mm. The reason I say that is because there's been little hints here and there. One of which was there was the personality game that um, Aoi, uh, Aoi was like, you know, describing, which was a video game thing or rather even just a game show thing. And of course, we've got Tomazaki and her arguing in this like ca- fictionalized cartoon space. The cartoons are good fun, by the way. I like I like the stylized like cartoons for all these like imaginary scenarios. They're all pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. But of course, like you know, you've got to convince all these people to be on your side. And bear in mind, this is coming from <laughs> Aoi's perspective. Who is the one character who's on Tomazaki's side? Just Fuka. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's gonna be. His, oh, his see, wife, I think his, it's a thing. It's too obvious to me. I mean, well, nah. but, I mean, so is so is her and so is Owen and Tomozaki. But yeah. I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, maybe he'll warm up to Fuka, but it just doesn't seem like he's been interested in her in that way. Well, he's like be... of his own volition. You know what I mean? Like he's feels like he's doing it to like you know to get good grades in school, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But. When he had a chance to use those passes to the movies, who did he ask to the movies? Yeah, it was it wasn't the, Fuka. It was yeah. Aoi. Oh, it was Aoi. Yes, sorry, you're right. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 you're right. You're 100 percent right. But I think what we could see is maybe that on the date, like you know, he has a epiphany. This he is a real- good counterpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he realizes that okay, um, I went on this date for this specific reason. Sure. Um, but now my motivations have... I've fallen in love for real. <laughs> I've, I've, I've fallen for for real now that I've spent some actual yeah. time with her outside the library where we can yeah. talk. <laughs> and I mean, he did have that moment when he was like, said out loud under his breath that she was super cute. Yep. And he was like, oh my God, I didn't mean to say that. You know what I mean? So... Maybe yeah, maybe he's like slowly falling for a free. Are we are we are we gonna put the money down on this? Like you're you're going for your team Aoi, I'm Team Fuka. I'm just like yeah. signs are there. But maybe it could mm-hmm. be no one. I mean, funnily enough, like by <laughs> by the logic by the logic of like Aoi wanting to be like, you know, desirable to everyone and like win at life that way by being unattainable, maybe Tomazaki himself realizes he doesn't need a girl. Because, Maybe. because again, single back to party Haramiya, life. <laughs> the the one lesson that Haramiya gave that I actually thought was pretty good at the end was, "Hey, you got a girl to sit on your face. Doesn't change. Doesn't make you feel better. It doesn't fundamentally like you know solve all your problems or like you know heal all your wounds or make you suddenly like you know top dog member of society. It's just by an arbitrary standard that's just fallen in line over years. Uh, so I, <laughs> who knows? But I wouldn't. I wouldn't want it to be Aoi just because I think for the reasons you said, all because like it just seems too easy. Like I think that it would make more sense like for like to get behind the less of this show for Tomazaki to find like someone he was interested in outside of this framework, like you know, for an entirely fresh starting point, which Fuka sort of kind of counts for, apart from the fact that he yeah. goes under like the duress of a goal. But it would be dismantled. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, what happened there? <laughs> <laughs> Dog smell functioning. Oh. Uh, it would be dis like it would ah. dismantle Aoi's whole framework if she like really fell for Tomozaki and went with him, which would be yeah. sort of the point of the show. Uh, I don't know. They could they could make. I could see you, you've convinced me. That, I mean, like, not that I needed a lot of convincing in this, but like, no, that's a 
I think they're both legitimate. Well, I should say all three of them are legitimate paths because the, you know, forever alone ending is uh, is also yeah. a possibility, but in I, a good way. I, and I think- Yukinon, I am on team me, me, me as far as who the best character is and who mm-hmm. in my ideal world I would like Tomozaki to be. But like just thinking about it in terms of the framework of this 12 episode show, if I had to put my money on anyone, it would be Aoi. But Fuka, I feel like, is also very much in the discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll just make two final points, though, which is this. What they're this going is... to do versus what I want. Sorry, no, 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 no. Uh, the next episode is the day one. Um, I will say this. We don't otherwise know a hell of a lot about Fuka at the moment, which I think... Nope. I really, really hope we get time dedicated to her as a character in the same way that we did with Mimi Me. And that does not mean same like character journey of, oh, I don't need to be top dog or anything. Just a journey of some description. So she rises beyond just simply being, you know, the incredibly shy, like, you know, bookworm who Tomazaki thinks is cute. So let's have it rise above that. You know, let's oh, give her man. some fleshing out. What? Dark's in pain. Rackham just reminded me that like, and the novels continue. We're not going to get a real ending. No, of course we're going to get a like. Of course we are. No one is going to be resolved. No one's going to end up with anyone, and it's just going to be like you know. And I learned these lessons in my days as a lifer, gamer, person in training continued forever. The you got like, You got it. You've got. You've got to get the DLC, mate. <laughs> read the if you want more. Read the books. Get the DLC. God. Or it's like, oh, or to borrow the fighting game thing, it's like buying the fourth iteration of the same game after it's been updated over the course of years. <laughs> the season pass. You have to do pretty, it. Pretty fucking much, isn't it? But the, the other thing I will note is this, though, and this is something I want to also speak about very quickly with Tamazaki, is that you, like, he says, like, you know, I'm reading these books and I'm really enjoying them uh, for his own sake, which is good. Like, I actually really like this yeah. for, for the point mm-hmm. of, like, it's putting him outside of its comfort zone. I think that's something that a lot of people, myself included, don't do often enough. Where if we meet someone, it doesn't even need to be, like, you know, a romantic interest. It could just be a friend, whether. And, you know, I think we should just sometimes try and get out of our comfort zones and try new things. He's tried this book and he really likes it. But, even beyond that, he had no way of knowing that he would like this series of books. But he has nonetheless tried to do this in order to engage with her authentically. He might end up saying, well, I don't like it, but I can ultimately explain why I don't like these things. That, you know, it's just not my cup of tea, but please tell me about why you like it, because it's clearly important to you. And I'll just throw out there, right? That is an amazing thing to do when you want to engage with someone and connect with someone, romantic or otherwise. Now, I'm not saying you use this to start picking up women or all that, but I mean, obviously, not an efficient way to do that regardless, so don't do that anyway. But I mean to say, like, you know, I think this is a very fair lesson the show puts across. Uh, and I also really like that Tomazaki gets a benefit out of it for himself in the sense that he has actually read this book and enjoyed it. Because it just shows goes to show that outside of the goals that he is pursuing, uh, there are other things, other benefits that he even, like Aoi has not told him, would be there that are worth like looking out for and getting a hold of. So for those of you currently listening on the podcast, Doc has currently vanished into the ether took his mask to him i'm assuming guessing wildly he might potentially have just like you know gone to fight a bear in the back garden outside his uh outside his office could be wrong i mean i'm team i'm team doc myself i think he'll take that bear i think he'll like bring it back into the camera in a little bit uh with a leash on 
Um, so just to quickly look at the chat stuff here, um, we, like, yeah, got uh, Yukinon asking the question is how many people know Aoi's real personality rather than the perfect act she's throwing. We could find out. I don't know. I mean, I'll say this is one of my closing points here. Like, I am most actually interested in seeing how the date goes. And I, Lord knows, like, normally I would not give one iota of a deep fried shit about any characters going on dates or whatever. Um, I just find sometimes the characters aren't that all that interesting or engrossing. But like, Fuka's likable enough in her own right. And Tomazaki, you know, he he has put the work in. It isn't just a case of him falling in line and, like, you know, uh, just falling into a date suddenly. He's actually trying here, and I want to see him succeed at that. So, yeah, uh, bring on episode nine, bring on the date. I'm actually genuinely looking forward to watching it. Whereas at the end of episode four, going to episode five, I was just kind of, well, I'm going to watch this for the pod, but otherwise I was like, yeah. <laughs> did you win the fight against the bear outside, Doc? I did. Yes, I did. Yeah, knew it. You did bring it in, though. I, I wanted to just bring the bear in to show off to everyone, but maybe next time. I uppercutted it, so oh, it went nice, flying in nice. the other direction. You you have joined so. a very exclusive club of people, including Brian Blessed and Thorkel. Thorkel, exactly. Yes. Brian Blessed. Um, that was, that's a Jim will paint it reference for those in the know, because Jim will paint it literally did, in Microsoft Paint, a painting of Brian Blessed punching a bear, and it's the best thing ever. <laughs> but I'll say no more than that. Anyway, I, I'm actually all done with my talking points. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just sending on a note that I want to see how the date goes next. I'm genuinely intrigued. Big, big, uh, big ditto marks there. I'm also mm. super intrigued. And uh, yeah, I don't have any other any other specific talking points, so let us rate and review oh, the episodes. Boy. Oh, boy. Right, um... The racing I'm going to give is going to sound very cruel. It's going to sound very cruel, and I'll tell you why. Because okay. I feel like I should be giving two ratings for this block of episodes. For one, for the like shifting overall quality of the show, like just how it's turned from being something I wasn't really all that interested in to something I'm now more interested in. Mm-hmm. With all that said, though, beyond the big lesson that it puts out there, the show that is uh, um, of hey, life isn't a game, uh, you know, you can't rank people by any means of, like, happiness or whatever in a way that's meaningful. Um, I don't, f- like, I like Mimi's art well enough, but I don't think it has, like, the same, how should we say, like, emotional complexity or, like, execution or maturity of, say, Wonder Egg or the like or the other top-tier shows that have covered stuff like this before. Um, it isn't punching in the same league as that, unfortunately. It is, it hasn't suddenly skyrocketed to the best kind of that material I've ever seen. So when I'm giving this racing out, I'm racing it in terms of like how I would feel compared to like the whole wealth of anime that I've seen, where there are shows that do incredible stuff. Like I mean, you talk about the Ikara shows and things like that. You know, sure. it is it isn't up there. I don't. I hate to say it, but it's not. That does not make it bad, though, because it's actually gone into the realm of what I would call good. And that lesson, I say, is a, <laughs> yeah. in the realm of what I would call good. I love it. This is yeah. this is the real back of box quote. Tomozaki uh, is dot 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 the realm of what I would call good. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. So I think that you know, like Mimi's art was still very good. I think the lesson that came you can derive from it is good. Um, it unfortunately still hasn't quite, I mean, some of the, like, say, five and six in particular to me, some of the fucking fan service and that was just obnoxious. Um, I still don't care for some of the comedic elements too much. Like, I, I think that some of the comedy mm. is a bit lowbrow for my taste, but that's just me. Um, so in the end, 
I am going to give Tomazaki episodes five through eight a duh, 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 3.5 Navi phone calls getting it wrong out of five. Hey, I think that's very fair. I don't think that's a cruel rating. I, Even though, so, uh, go, go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was I was thinking stuff like, did I want to give it a four? But I thought, no, because you've, because the thing is like, I, this is, this is the thing about criticizing the show. Like I have, I feel a lot better about it than I previously, but that doesn't mean it's suddenly become like the best thing I've ever seen. You've got a temper. Well, remember, just rating this block of episodes. You know. Yeah. You've, you've got to, you've got to temper like your, um, your response a little bit to the wider world. Cause I wouldn't suddenly want to start preaching to the rooftops that Tomazaki is the best, like even the best at covering this kind of like material. I mean, let's talk about, I mean, yeah. Utena, I mentioned that before again, unfair comparison though that may be, it is fair in that there are at least a couple of arcs in that about being jealous of a, you know, a colleague. I mean, I think there's at least one of the student council members being like, you know, jealous. Of, I mean, uh, of like, uh, what was named? Why can I not remember the redhead's name? The one voiced by fucking Dio. Uh, never mind. In, you know what I'm talking about. In what show again? Utena. Oh shit! Uh, God damn it! Uh, is it Jury? No. No, Jerry's the, Jerry's jury? the no Jerry's the uh the lady. She's the yeah. orange haired one, the red haired yeah. one. That's uh, who I was what? thinking about. Or do you not mean the oh? So no, the red the red guy, the one voiced by Dio. The one voiced by mm. Zato, one from Guilty. Oh, Gear. fucking to 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 starts with the T. Is it like Toma? Toma? Toga. Oh, Toga. Toga. Yeah. There we go. Toga. <laughs> we did it. it. We did it like, together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's arcs. There's arcs like that all throughout Center, and they're all the best of the one here. But like I say, oh, it's God, still, yeah. it's still good though. It's still solid. They're still trying. <laughs> That's something at the very least. They're actually yeah, yeah. trying. I get the feeling with these latest batch of episodes that like the show has changed from something that was just very conveyor belt, very assembly line, something that has more heart to it. And that sh- still remains one of the more fascinating things about it to me. Like, why has this happened? Was the material always aligned in such a way that this was an inevitability regardless of how you adapted it? Has the adaptation changed from a, you know, like... As someone basically coming halfway through and said, right, sack this shit off. We're doing something else. Like, I'm legitimately curious to it, but I, I can't deny the results. So, yeah, three and a half. Cool. Uh, see you next time, Tomazaki. <laughs> don't fuck up your date. <laughs> Please don't. Uh, I would be in the same neighborhood. I am going to give it um, 3.75... Uh, you know, birthday hair wax cream jars out of five. Um, yeah, I mean, like, we rate things differently. Uh, or by that, I mean, we have different systems by which we rate things. Like, I tend to not, uh, like, compare super much to other things. I mean, obviously, you can't help but doing it to some degree. Um but uh, I place a lot on my kind of like my own personal enjoyment um, and my own kind of experience with something. And so my ratings do tend to shift over time in some ways, uh, maybe more than other people's, like the farther away I get from something. Like sometimes, you know, the rating will drop as the show fades from memory. And I'm like, well, now that I'm not in the middle of it, you know, maybe it's not so great. Or like Mob Psycho, is one that like after I finished watching it, I was like, this is pretty good. But like the more I thought about it 
and then rewatched it and thought about it and rewatched like it's become like a, one of my all-time favorite shows ever cuz I just kept thinking about it and it kept going up after the fact in my estimation but so maybe this who who knows like how I'll feel about this show upon reflection like after the fact you know it may have warmed its way into my brain in some way I do know that um I really do care about the cast I mean it has really established that as like this core group of like I don't know is it like eight maybe ten kids like I really do care about and want to see become happy I'm curious what they'll get up to uh I'm really interested in how they're going to land with the theme where they ultimately go with the message um so you know I'm really positive on it right now I mean like you said it's not like blowing my doors off in terms of like man in the genre it's incredible you know what i mean i know at the beginning of horimiya you know i was like oh man this is like up there in rom-coms and it kind of diminishing returns as that show went along i think in some ways but um you know this show is improving and i don't know hopefully the trajectory continues and we feel fantastic about the last set and it vaults it from like something that we think is good or very good or like an enjoyable way to pass the time to something truly memorable. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll have to see. I mean, right now, yeah, I think it's like uh, solid and entertaining and I care about the characters. Um, but it's like, I say care about the characters. Like I'm invested in how everything turns out. Um, but it's not like a really deep investment. You know what I mean? It's like... Yeah. You're, I'm you're interested onto, in a pulp novel kind of way. Yeah, you're you're undergoing the uh, deep uh, psychological state known as giving a shit. Yes, yes, yeah. I, character drama will suck me in nine times out of ten. So yeah. I I will, however, just offer one thing um, to go with your point there about how the show has improved over time. That is unambiguously a good thing. I'm very <laughs> happy that we're at this point now where I can say, "Holy crap, the show has U-turned," and I think that's great. But I'm also going to point out as well, in the wider context of the show, it could have been at least this good from the beginning. There's no reason that could have been the case. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest, if I had watched this not for the podcast and got to the first four episodes, and if people hadn't then suddenly like really had me on, I'd have probably quit around episode three. I'm like, whatever. It's not not bad by any means of the measure. It's not like, you know... It's not no. making me angry. It's not like misogynistic shit or anything like that. It's not. It's not. So, it's not some guy building a slave harem and everyone suddenly thanking him for doing so. Like you know, thank, thank you for the privilege. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for putting the shackle on my neck, sir. Please, can I have some more shackles, sir? No, it's it's not that. It's not that. But it, the first rep, the first couple of episodes on their own could not sustain my interest really. Uh, I'm watching it with the pod. Now they are sustaining interest. I did say at the very start that I was like, you go, lad. I want to see how the date goes. I do. That's mm-hmm. authentic and genuine from me. And that's a good sign. But can we not have had the show be this good all along? I mean, let's go back to Wonder Egg. Uh, to, again, unfair comparison I may be. Like, rocky in places, but consistently very good. Oh, what, yeah. Like, I prefer a show be operating always on that high level than just, like, trending upwards. Like still well, better, yeah. better than the better than the alternative. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, uh, right? There's like there's different ways that upward trending things go. You can start good and get better. You know what I mean? Or like this would just started in a way that even though like I found it enjoyable, like it just seems it's it started very forgettably. 
Uh And I'm very, very glad that we have stuck with it because it has like gone far beyond that to be, I think, a a quality piece of entertainment. Yep, indeed. Right, well, um, shall we do our quick announcement then as to what's happening next? We need to get that out there. Oh, right. That is, I guess it's time that we we do that. Um, Okay, so... I'm not bald. This is a skull cap. I'm going to whip it off any second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we did tease an announcement. Um, so, uh, tomorrow, beginning tomorrow, I will be going on vacation. And I'll be on vacation for two and a half weeks. And after that, for a couple of more weeks, there is going to be something going on at work that will acquire my attention every single day during all hours of which it is reasonable for Shadon to be asked to do this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, And weekends are difficult for both of us for different reasons. So because I'm a drunkard because, because you like to drink and because it's difficult for me to like grab a sufficient chunk of time uh during again a time that's reasonable for you uh to do the recording to do the pod so so what we are going to do is what we've done in the past when i've had gone away for a week or two is we just kind of gone on like took it took a break for a couple weeks but because it's going to be so long um shadon is going to continue running the show uh Mm -hmm. by himself (laughs) Yeah, he's gonna, he's going to be taking on Evan, all the behind the scenes bullshit, uh, as well as doing you know the the hosting, and it's going to be he and Mark on for the Dinosaur on stuff. Michael, continue joining me for that. Uh, and on the other two on Tomozaki and VV, um, TBA on that. You know, it, we may have a guest, but it could be a, a solo Shadon shows. Yeah. I I haven't ultimately decided yet on um, guests for Vivi or Tomazaki. And the reasoning for that is I would just need to determine who I would ask, if anyone, for that. Um, but I'm open to the possibility and I will give it some consideration. But regardless, the show will continue. Um, it may potentially be the case because I like our schedule will be next week will be Dino Zenon, uh, then it will be Vivi, and then it will be Tomazaki as finales. Uh, mm-hmm. We may have to even swap Tomazaki and Vivi around again because Vivi is a long mm. show, 13 episodes. How dare they? And then it will be Dino Zenon. And that will be the end of our current stream season. That's four weeks, but Doc has uh, mentioned he's away for two and a half and then for several more, so it might even bleed over into the beginning of the next season. Um, but we'll keep you all yeah. abreast of what's going on. Um, yeah, I should be able to be back um, like the final part of June, um, which hopefully hopefully the summer season won't have started yet but like yeah shadon said we'll keep you in the loop and the way that you consume the show is not going to change shadon is going to keep doing this the video streams in the same places you know youtube and twitch for um for stream of thought and then behind the patreon paywall on youtube for um for our uh second stream and desho the third and he'll be sending me the pods to put out uh, to in, into the public feed. So um, things on your consumption end should remain the same. 
Yep. So the doctor, the doctor will not be in the house for a little while. Um, no. And 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 his presence will be missed because because uh, uh, I'm going to try and avoid doing solo pods as well possible because you know uh, we um you know we're a couple we're you know like we're a, we're a pair on this one you know we're a, we're a duo and it's always good to have like you mm-hmm. know uh like conversations spark off each other um if at all possible rather than just I'm going to yell into the void and you're going to like it <laughs> so I'm going to tr- I'm going to try to avoid that if at all possible but we'll let you know it'll just depend on who I can find to come join because again most of the people I who otherwise would ask would be in America and there's always timing and scheduling conflicts plus there has to be someone who's already watching these shows but I will let you know yes so so that's our big announcement and uh you know uh i i'm i'm super glad that uh shadon has you know volunteered to continue uh doing it for audio and video for for all of you guys for patrons and for you know free listeners um and i'm thankful to him it's not uh an easy thing (laughs) to to manage all the back-end stuff so he is going to be taking on a lot so um uh you know uh give him your your thumbs up give him your thank yous all your praises uh as Mm -hmm. he as he sails the good ship desho alone uh while i am you know on a beach somewhere and then in a crowded classroom somewhere (laughs) so you you could you could uh, yeah. just mention in chat you had something. <laughs> Sorry, I just found it funny. <laughs> For those he was, who he was betting Doc, <laughs> yeah, apparently Doc was going to be adding uh, a coin to Yukon. His his theory was uh, Doc's going to be uh, adding another kid to his uh, you know family, uh, but no, mm, no, no. We, that is, I have three, and we're done. We are yeah. done. I've had, <laughs> I've had, I've had zero, but I'm done. <laughs> I ain't ever having kids. Fuck that noise! Not like put with it. Oh, uh, well, anyway. So yeah, that's right. the announcement. That's it. So, um, so next week you'll be uh, treated to Shadon and Mark, and uh, so someone in chat asked. I think it was Rackham if I'll be doing uh, impressions of the end of all the shows we've been covering. Um, maybe. Um, that might be something to, if you, if you, you know, if someone throws it in the, um, the after hours chat, uh, then, I mean, I'll sort of know what's coming, but that's okay. Cause you all kind of want that. But if I could, maybe I'll do that along with other after hours questions and bundle all that into an after hours episode. Um, so there's an idea. Um, Okay. With that said, um, I want to thank everybody for hanging out with us, patrons. Always appreciated all the love, support, interaction, feedback, everything. Thank you very much. Um, everyone out there listening uh, on the free later on in the future, thank you as well. And if you want to support us, of course, there's the Patreon at patreon.com slash show. But also, you know, if you don't want to or you're just not able to, you know, we would appreciate follows on Twitter, follows on YouTube, um, sharing our stuff, uh, reviewing us in the Apple podcast app. I mean, that is still, even after all these years, one of, if not the main way new podcasts get discovered is through the Apple podcast uh, platform and, and 
the mm-hmm. apps, the it was the iTunes store. They don't call it iTunes anymore, but whatever the way is through that app that you download stuff. So any reviews and ratings that you give us that will boost our chances of being discovered in the anime space. Um, they had added, I just found this out recently, they've added like a category for anime specifically in the iTunes, or sorry, in the Apple Podcasts uh, directory. It used to be, it used to be like not as granular and we had to be in TV and film. That's where we were for so long and that's where probably a lot of anime people were unless they cheated and put themselves in video games. Um, but now there's an anime one and so I believe I've put us in that. If not, it's pending. Um, so anyway, all that to say, um, we appreciate always your ratings and shares and follows and stuff. So, uh, thank you, Rackham. I will have fun on vacation. Um, among other things, we're going on a dolphin cruise. So I hope to see many dolphins. Love the dolphins. Um, so, so you might be getting away from this pod, but you'll be seeing another pod. I'll be going on another pod. (laughs) Yes. That's very good. Very good. Uh, on that note, thank you, Shadon, uh, as always for, (laughs) for for everything you do. You say Uh, that such pain in your voice. No, I'm really, it's real effort. So, so how, if people want to hear more of those great comedic stylings, how, how would they follow you online to do so? Uh, from a distance via, you know, not asking me and just instead follow me at Shane Tencent on Twitter. Uh, yeah, why not? Round out my numbers. Give me some more numbers. I like my numbers. A JRPG fan at heart. Um, so, um, I can be followed on Twitter at the subtle doctor. Um, check in the bio. Those are the things I like, but really just do you talk to me about anything? I don't care. I enjoy the interaction. Follow me, but talk to me. Damn it. Just talk to me. I crave your attention. Talk to me. Um, that's going to do it for watery death shows. Death show the third here on May the 25th, 2021. Tomozaki Kun episodes five through eight. He should on. I'm the subtle doctor. This has been another watery death show. Embrace each other, everyone to the ends of the universe. Good night.